This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. Currently, you can get free delivery on all orders over £40 and 10% of all online orders by using our code of TAKESTHATCHANCE10. Jetson's there, Billy Head! The goal, Chris Billy Huddersfield Town! The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life! Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is! Take your place in Division 2, Huddersfield Town! Be in Steve Simonson's boots now. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the flame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Huddersfield Town are promoted. Stephen Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. Today we delve into the process behind the town kits and a little bit more as we welcome Huddersfield Town Retail Manager Luke Cowan and Huddersfield Town Marketing Manager Jonathan Wilkinson to the podcast. Uh, Joining myself, Matt Shaw, on this episode, we've got a man who Luke and his poor staff have to see half naked on the walls behind the tills of the Porter Cabin, club shop every day. It's Dan Porritt and joining us are Brady Frost and Simon Copland. So, Good evening, uh, Luke and Jonathan. How are we doing? Evening. evening. Really good, thank you. Really good. And Luke, yeah, good, thank you. Luke, I do feel for you having to look at that image of the uh, of Pozza every uh, every day as you walk into work. It must be. Uh, must Listen, be I, I heard that since that picture went up, so, uh, merchandise sales have gone through roofs. So <laughs> <laughs> Last time I went in, it was I just looked and there was like you and Ollie Fisher, and I was like, oh god, here we are. <laughs> but brilliant. Uh, right, guys, I thought it would be quite good if we start with a, a couple of intros. Um, I think people will be interested to know what you guys do, who you are, and how, you know, you're both town fans, how you got into supporting Huddersfield and uh, and your favourite moments, really, if you can. Uh, Jonathan, if you want to kick us off. Yeah, um, so I'm market manager of the club, um, Saturday in March 2013. Uh, so I've been here um, for over eight, year, over eight years now. Um a bit of my history, um, when I was 14, I um, 
told my careers advisor I want to be market manager at Huddersfield Town. And it all kind of went downhill from there, really. <laughs> so saw the, saw the job advertised uh, in the early part of 2013, applied for it and, uh, and got it. And then ever since, been working behind the scenes. It's been uh, an interesting kind of uh, eight years, really, with, with everything that's happened. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I've been a fan since birth. My uh, great-grandfather actually died at a game uh, in the 1920s. Um, and then all the way through, been a young terrier, saw Leeds Roadshow open off the uh, the new stadium, and then and everything else that's come since then, really. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been great for me as a, as a fan to do do this role. Mm. Go on, then. If you had to pick one favourite moment, what would you go with? Um, I love the new stadium being built. I came came down to watch it being built in 1993, 94. So that was uh, lovely to see. The old, but then also the new, and I lo- a lot of people I know don't remember the old grounds. So uh, I love the fact that I remember Leeds Road and the couch and everything. Um, the promotions are the easy one. Wembley '95 is probably my favourite um, from a fan point of view. But then obviously uh, the penalty in 2017 and everything that came off the back of that uh, was just magical. I know. Um, all of all of the planning and prep for that, and it all came off. So, for instance, the the open top bus that we designed, uh, we had to do that in secret, and then there was only one in four chance that we would use that that kind of thing. Um, so, all of the behind the scenes stuff that we uh, that we got involved with during that period was really really magical for us. And obviously, the Premier League years were were excellent as well. How about you, Luke? So, uh, yeah, retail manager for the football club. I. Uh, so I learned about the birds and the bees in Sunday League changing rooms uh, with me with me old man going. So I've always sort of been brought up around football. And then uh, my first season at town was the 0304 when we were League Two. Uh, it were my next door neighbours that actually used to bring me. So and I remember and and Johnny, I don't even know if we do still do these, but I remember getting a half season card or a half season ticket at that point. So that was a really proud moment for me. Uh, Probably favourite moment. There's probably a couple. So Cardiff was really special just because that was my first playoff. I'll, I'll never forget the journey down. It felt ages, a massive drive on the coach. But yeah, really, really special. And I still, to this day, hammer boovy for missing. I don't know if everyone remembers. They were a bit chip, where... Yeah, the chip. Chipped, yeah. <laughs> so I, I get to hammer him like daily about nowadays <laughs> for the heartache that he sent us through to penalties. Uh, but weirdly another one that always sticks in my mind we played uh Burnley a couple of years ago I don't think it was Premier League I think it was Championship potentially at the time and uh old man were in the bright yellow shirt Do you remember when we first did the yellow one uh Johnny I think 13 14 you just complete yellow Bovril all over it brilliant moment. I'll never forget <laughs> it was just fantastic but uh but yeah no it's been a it's been a real roller coaster ride I started just after Johnny, so I've just been here uh, just over eight years as well. So uh, yeah, incredible journey. Bovril sounds like a really good shirt design idea, doesn't it? For the uh, <laughs> it sounds sounds very similar. Um, fantastic. So we'll we'll what we'll do is we'll talk about the the kits. Really, um, is is the first thing on on our agenda. The the home kits out, and it's it's a beauty. I, I think it's great. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of the black socks. So when the black socks came back, you know, that was uh, I'm sold already. You know, doesn't matter about the rest of the kits. All about the socks for me. Yeah. And um, 
Could you tell us about the life cycle of the design and the implementation phase of the kit? Because I understand it, it start the whole process starts quite way back, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. So I mean, right from the off, uh, Umbro will send us a request to sort of get together. So that comes sort of 18 months prior to uh, the season starting. Uh, the the work group that we put together is uh, a mixture of people at the club. So uh, myself, Jonathan goes in it. Uh, Dave, from a communications point of view, is the communications director. Uh, Phil, chairman or, or dean, or as it used to be. Uh, Mark Devlin comes in there as well. Uh, and uh, Ian as well, Ian Burtley, so from a commercial aspect. So there's quite a collective that we get together and then really it's it's all about a critical path, sort of like a workflow, which the first instance is, look, you know, you put, put ideas together, what's something, is there any historical moments that we can pay tribute to? And then it, it sort of goes in stages of design feedback and then your feedback on that. And then you essentially you get to the point where you get to the design where everybody's happy, club and umbro, and then pursue from there. And then you look to officially sign off uh, at least sort of 12 months in advance. So the 22, 23 kits are, are done and dusted already. So th there's, there's quite a bit of time involved in it. Mm. So who does the design itself, uh, Johnny or Luke, whichever one wants to take this, but so who does the design? How hard? One thing that obviously Poz is wearing a, a blue and white top there, down there with the red terrier. So that's, what's that, Poz, 69, 70, something around there? And, yeah. yeah, so he, he's wearing that. But how hard is it to reinvent blue and white stripes every year? So every 12 months, there's a new blue and white stripe kit. You know, you can alter the color, yeah. maybe, the, the the width of the stripe. Um, Stephen John this... asked, sorry, sorry, Stephen John asked if, there's, if these are just templates or whether you guys get to pick uh, what goes on. Uh, this year's a little bit different. So we've known we want to do a tribute to the, the FA Cup winners for probably uh, seven years. So we had to work that backwards from there to make sure that we didn't have one that was similar to that kit the season before. So there's kind of a, a loose structure of how we can do it um, so that they differ a bit year on year. Um, so the FA Cup one's a little bit different. I can fill you in a little bit about the Umbro stuff and I'll let Luke talk a little bit about, about the, uh, the design itself. But the Umbro process, we, uh, we contacted Umbro and said we want, wanted to do a 1922 kit. And they, they said, great, great idea. Um, have you got a kit from, from the actual final itself? So we went into the, into the uh, storage in, in the boardroom and pulled out that kit, and literally stood there and, and examined it you know, and looking at, style and the color and things like that with umbro's kind of design team uh, they took hundreds of photos of it just to try and get a feel of what it looked like uh, and then took that back to to their offices in manchester and, and pulled it together for us really we we were pushing we wanted to have the arch rows on there more prominently but the uh, the fa and the afl regulations basically have stopped us doing that so we went to Umbro and, and kind of argued that we wanted something on there to represent that Yorkshire Rose from, from the final, um, which is why it's kind of uh, imprinted within the, uh, within the shirt now. So it's not always as easy as you perhaps think of doing the kit that you want because we're, we're bound by the regulations of, uh, of, the, of the league. Um, but we try, for instance, with this one, tried our, our hardest to get that kind of feel and, and, and mantra with it, really. 
Um, what just, just out of interest there, Johnny? Sorry, what what is the regulation? I'm presuming you've got to have a it's another sort of crest, maybe. The, you know, so you've got your club crest, you've got the the umbrella. You're not allowed a third. Correct. So Luke, Luke will know the the sizes, but there's there's limits to how big your sponsor can be across the front, but then also your crest can't be like three quarters of the of the shirt or anything like. That. So yeah, yeah, a little a, a little sort of pocket to extension that Johnny's right. So what the FA will always come back to you and say is that you can edit the crest for an anniversary. So you know, like with the centenary, we had the writing, didn't we? Uh, so you can edit the crest or so the way we get round it with the Yorkshire Rose is that the Yorkshire Rose is actually with our crest. So it's almost like an extension, but it has to be a monotone, which is why it, it's so subtle, if you know what I mean. So we get round it with uh, with this season coming up. It's nice. I quite like I quite like the uh, yeah, I think it's a really nice little touch. Um, <laughs> you were going to pass over, <laughs> weren't you? The sort of the inner workings of. Um, how, the consultation process, weren't you, and how we, we yeah. came across with the kit, yeah. Yeah, so the very first consultation is uh, a bit of a collective of Umbro will bring together their feedback of where they think we are as a club and, and whether we've had the set design for X, Y, and Z, as it were, and then we'll bring things to, uh, we'll bring things to the meeting to say, well, do you know what, actually, we need this, we, you know, we want to carry that through. So, so like Johnny said, from a pipeline point of view, uh, tradition's incredibly important and obviously history and heritage. We know that this kit is a celebration. Uh, we know that next year, uh, oh, now then, Johnny, I'm testing my history. What were runners up next year? We runners up in the cup or something? No. Were we not, were we nothing next year? But no, the, the, the season <laughs> after is, thing, yeah. yeah, so the season after is the start of Fry's Champions for us. So at, at that point, we know that we're going to have to celebrate that in a way. At the minute, we don't know what execution that looks like, but we, we have a pipeline and we know where we're going to be for that season. So at, at that point, then Umbra will take our feedback. We'll, they'll look at what they can do with their design consignments and things, whilst... We, we don't actually have a template. So one of the parts, uh, and, and which actually alluded us to Umbro, was we can have our bespoke kits. So we have, a, you, you know, it's not so much a silhouette as it were with Umbro. Whereas you see, there are other manufacturers of kit supply that, that do like the same kit, just in a different colorway as it were. Like the internationals are quite like that at the moment, aren't they? With the Euros, there's quite a few that are look very similar, for example. So, and then Umbro will bring back as to what they feel fits our mantra and what we, our expectation was. Uh, and then from there, it's it's another conversation, another consultation of, well, could we actually add that in? Could we do that? Uh, a really nice detailed piece in this one is to honour the team that started that match in the back of the neck. You know, how can we get them into it? What can we do with... Uh, you know, even right down to the the tags in the back of the garment and things, you know, that's in like a vintage finish. So it really is in keeping with the whole package. But uh, but yeah, it's it's an interesting process. I've got to say, it's one it's one it's difficult for us because we could go to someone like Nike or Adidas and get a kit deal. Then you will get the shelf Nike and Adidas shirts in the main, and we're a little bit. We, we don't think that's right for us at this moment in time. Um, we would prefer it to be 
the, the, the blue of Huddersfield Town that we think is the right blue rather than it being an offset of blue and things like that. So, yeah, uh, change, but at the moment we think Umbro is the, the, right, the right way to go because we can get things like the 1922 shirt that our fans hopefully will, will love and, and buy in the droves. And sorry, Johnny Luke, just on, on that theme then, how does Umbro compare to Puma, obviously we had previously? Is there kind of lots of similarities between that process or is there actually some kind of quite stark differences that you've attracted you guys to um, Umbro kind of a couple of years since? Uh, to be honest with you, Umbro and Puma, I would say very, very similar, actually. Very, very sort of similar. The only thing that we used to find uh, maybe a little different is the training wear execution. Like one of the big things that with Umbro that uh, that certainly Kitman Brookie really, really liked was so skins undergarments and and look at some people w won't even bat an eyelid at it. Others it will absolutely drive them nuts. <laughs> when you see skins are a different colour to the shirt, things yeah. like getting more in football. Yeah, yeah. Well, so whereas Umbro will do bespoke uh skins to match your kit. So it actually looks like it's an extension of it. But there are some companies that you know it, it's just so far off. It, it, it's unreal that they somewhat get away with it. But so so these little things and then obviously from an Umbro point of view, well I mean this is going back to obviously the kit deal scenario. We've had Umbro before uh, from a tradition point of view, it's obviously in the English game, it's massive. So uh, we'd had his time with Puma. Uh, it felt like a change was the right thing to do. But uh, as Johnny alluded to there, uh, and, and look, you know, with all due respect, I'd like to think we're quite approachable on social media and things. And I'll certainly, uh, and Johnny as well, you know, we'll certainly look to answer things. And, and we see all like the, when are we going to have an Adidas kit and, and things like that, you know, and, and the, is no detriment or criticism of Adidas, but we we went over there when we were looking at kit deals and things, and the offering just wasn't right, or what we felt wasn't right for Huddersfield Town fans because you would literally be buying uh, a classic example. Actually, Leicester City did it, didn't they, Jonathan? You remember that one? So they had Leicester City had an away kit that was an off-the-shelf Adidas, and literally you put a crest on it, you put the sponsor on it. And what is a £19 shirt on Adidas World is all of a sudden been retailed at 50 quid. Now, I'm not going to say perfect, but I would hope that we would do our due diligence to try and avoid things like that for a town fan because, you know, irrelevant to our size, we're what we care about at the end of the day, if you know what I mean. So we all, we're always looking, but that, that's where we were with Umbro, again, sort of like a Puma situation than Adidas Nike and all the rest, as it were. That's you mentioned the right badge, aren't you, Simon? That's what I was just going to wade in there. You're buying it for the, the badge on the left rather than the one on the right, which is what I think. Yeah, 100%. Actually, it's interesting you mentioned top box skins and such because I'm a bit of a uh, traditionally side. I love the long sleeve shirts that kind of years gone by, but they're very few and far between, if at all, now, aren't they? Because um, everyone's got these skins for performance enhancing and such. Like yeah, well, so the, the story of long sleeve shirts, and, and you know, just a random conversation. So with numbers, uh, and this is very similar in fairness, it was the same somewhat with Puma, would have to order. Uh, I think the, the minimum for a long sleeve shirt is a thousand units and would never really sell that many. There's always, probably like probably like you, Simon, I'm assuming, uh, there's always a real close following to long sleeve shirts that 
snap them up straight away, but it's never enough to sell out of them, if you know what I mean. Uh, and then just look from a complete selfish point of view with me and my team, they look exactly the same in a bag and it's like, ah, and then you just want to get the <laughs> wrong one and it's like somebody's put them on the wrong shelf and then it's a nightmare but look we'd work around that of course we would if the numbers were right <laughs> no that's uh, forgive me I'm already kind of in terms of players themselves actually you don't see many players playing in long sleeve shirts full stop anymore because they're all got these kind of undergarments and such but but yeah I think kind of uh, it's interesting there's always a kind of few hardcore fans of it probably historically always bought long sleeve shirts and, and kind of want to continue that tradition but like yeah. you say the MOQ is probably getting in the way yeah, well, the big one nowadays are keepers as well. Like, uh, you know, keeper shirts. Even to when I started this position, it were almost unheard of to have a short sleeve keeper shirt. Now, that's what they want. That is literally what they want for that reason, Simon. They just wear short sleeve keeper shirt with a skin underneath that matches. They're happy as Larry. I think, I don't think Ryan wore a long sleeve shirt last year, but don't, don't crucify me if that's wrong. Uh, I, I can't picture him in one. Say so back in the day, when me, me and Matt grew up in um, the days of goalkeeping with big big shoulder pads and big kind of elbow pads and, and, and that sort of thing. I was just going to say, do you not remember the bright orange one I used to wear? This is like 2007 now, but I, 2007, 2008, I used to wear a, a bright orange goalkeeper top. It, it was a little bit of an in-joke because we played for um, you know a team in green and white stripes and <laughs> it was a little in-joke with the manager. And um, so I used to have a, a black Under Armour, um, sort of really skin-tight Under Armour and then bright orange shorts. And I even brought bright orange socks and boots to go with it. And the idea was that it was supposed to be bright so you would put the striker off and conceded yeah. absolutely loads that season, so it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> do, you remember the, um, do you remember the Steve Francis one that looked like a paint explosion? Yes. Yeah, the pulse. I was just going to mention that. My, uh, mm. I, had, I had both versions of that one, I think, as a kid. I want to keep it, but just because it was so mental. The yellow one. Uh, I like the yellow one. There was like a yellow one, which was, which was fantastic, yeah. yeah. I don't want to go too far into those those old kits because we've got a quiz coming up and obviously we don't want to jog each other's memories as to, uh, <laughs> as to what's going on, do we? So we need to keep that competitive edge. Um, one of the questions that came in from uh, social media from Oliver Eaton as well, Luke, I think this might go to you, uh, was what are your thoughts on like a central crest placement? I think, uh, trying to think if this particular kit is in the quiz, I don't think it is, but quite a long time ago, there was a, um, a black shirt that came out uh, mid thousands and there was a, a central crest at that point is that anything that may or may not come back at some particular point uh yeah i mean i mean from from our point of view if it becomes a fashionable thing uh absolutely why not it, it probably actually makes sense from a point of it's something that you can change quite easily to a blue and white striped shirt uh so yeah i guess the answer is yes so we, we haven't really thought about it internally i think that's fair to say but uh, yeah, it certainly could. Umbro wouldn't be against it, in fairness. So maybe in the future, who knows? Yeah, so there it's you strange go. strange one with kits, though, because if you brought that in, you'd get a percentage that would love it and then a percentage that would hate it. So you can yeah. never... <laughs> I'm in the hate camp. In case anyone's wondering, I'm in the hate camp. Kind of quite like... I'm, I'm quite a symmetrical person. Yeah. So. Yeah, see by the so, shelf in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's—I guess—that's the beauty of kits and 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 probably the beauty of your guys' job. But presumably, you'll, you'll never please everyone, like it or not. Um, kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, everyone has different opinions, and kits are quite subjective, aren't they? Absolutely. We've, we're, although to be fair, this year we've the feedback we've had on on this year's new home kit is probably the best we've ever had. And I'm not saying that because we're on here. Genuinely, we've gone through and and. You know, uh, 
people have done pog, you know, the the votes and things like that, and and the reception has been incredible. So we're we're quite happy this year. I think I think town fans are quite traditional anyway. Maybe because we used to be good many many years ago, so we hark <laughs> back to the. You know, yeah. traditionally we were good. So if we have a traditional kit, might Mecca's look might Mecca's good again. But I'm I'm certainly a, a big fan of the new kit, and I do like it because it is as a kit should look for me: simple, blue and white to the point. Again, and with Matt, the black socks for me, I always think they look really nice. Again, a little bit different. Not many clubs have black socks with, with the, the white shorts and stuff like that. Um, so it's good to see that that design, and it is a little bit you know different from from last season and, and previous seasons for that. And I just sort of moving on to that season by season, uh, changing design. Obviously, Matt sort of discussed the, the difficulties in churning out a, a design that's different, but not too different to move away from tradition. But I, I always remember, we, all, we you know, growing up as a kid, we always seemed to change the kit every two years. You know, we keep the away kit for two years and, and, and almost change the kit. Season by season, one home, one away, one home, one away. Now we seem to well, we have got into the the habit now of having three kits. Um, again, the third strip as I were younger never really existed. It were only in extreme circumstances that you need a third strip, and now it's the norm to have to have three. And I'm just you know, for those fans out there, probably I'll admit like myself that, that think that's a little bit unnecessary. Probably from a you know, I've got two young boys, and every year it's got us three new kits. It's they want all three because that's just how it is. You know, I had to make do with one that were three sizes too big in the hope that I'd grow into it. Um, what what brought about that change? Obviously, I appreciate commercial income behind ticket sales, I'm, I'm presuming, um, with that hospitality being included, that kit sales are one of the biggest money makers for the club. Was that the reason that, that we change every year now, all three? Or is that just how football has become across the land and we just fit in with that? Was it a conscious decision or an unconscious? You know, what sort of brought that about? Yeah, I see you smirking now, Luke. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's it's a good question, Dan. And you know, coming from a tradition of watching football, I know where you're coming from, and it's quite a complex answer because, in one side, so I mean, look, the origins of a third kit for Huddersfield Town, uh, whilst it's going back quite a bit. It used to be because predominantly we had a home sponsor and an away sponsor. Uh, and part, and usually it used to be, uh, I can't think the last season that we did it. I'm going to go promotion year, actually. So we had uh, Pure on the home, and then we'd have Thornton and Ross with their uh, two brands on the away and third. And basically it would be the commercial contracts for those sponsorships that said, at home we'll wear the home shirt, and then away we'll wear your brand, which is why we always needed a third kit, because in theory we needed a, a change to the away uh from then onwards it's just become almost like a, a written thing that we do and i think probably the majority of football clubs at this point now do it uh and we just yeah, yeah. we follow along at the same time you never really want to uh, and this is where it's a different story again because obviously the utility deal that uh, the commercial guys have got over the line is now three years but it's always been a case of always have the third kit just in case we go back to that scenario where the home and the away and the, uh, sorry, the home and the away kits have to be a different sponsor. So it, it, it's, 
that's always in the back of your mind. It's always in the back of your mind that you're quite right, Dan, as well. And I will be candid. From a commercial revenue point of view, retail is an important revenue stream to the football club. Uh, you, you know, you wouldn't need me to sit here and tell you that. And obviously a third kit does help us. It gives us another bite of the cherry. Uh, and also, if you don't like the away kit, then hopefully we get you with a third kit and, and various other bits and bats. But yeah, that's yeah. the origins of it, I, I think, is probably the... It, it, where it came from and now it's almost a, a natural sort of cultural thing now that we have free kits every season uh, but look I understand that I have uh, I've got two children of my own uh, it, it, you know it eats into my bank account as well I can assure you <laughs> I've got one in you can't sneak a foot out of that garden Luke <laughs> <laughs> I tell you right I think that nicely answers that doesn't it Pause uh, wraps that up yeah yeah brilliant. like I say you want to what a criticism! We just started to understand. So you're trying to work in how to how to ask that without it coming across as a I'm a tight so and so and being tight, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and at the same time, you know, fellas, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say it's not partially commercial because, of course, it is. You know, there's yeah, no here just lying about it. So I'd rather be truthful for you all, anyway. No, that's that's. I mean, appreciate. It. I mean, in fairness, as well, like every club has a, like free kits like I think it's been about 10 years would you say Luke now like yeah. almost every team like even yeah. teams in League 2 have a third kit so um, yeah to stick up for you there speaking of kits <laughs> shall, we, uh, shall we move on to the uh, to the quiz this will this will be fun so bear with me a second so apologies to those who are listening to this as you won't be able to see uh, any of these questions that come up it's a very visual PowerPoint quiz uh, please don't criticise the slides that I have chosen to use because I'm not great at Okay, so I will share my screen. Uh, make sure I get the right one, otherwise you'll be coming back to each other. Go. Right, can you guys Very see that? Sure I was uh, dodgy tabs down that before I used to share the <laughs> It's all right. Yeah, I've only got one or two things open. Right, guys, can you see that? <laughs> yeah, we can, yeah. Um, Fantastic. Matt, I think you should have spoken to Jonathan about uh, making that a bit more marketing-y. <laughs> I've, gone with, I've gone with Ariel Narrow. That's it. <laughs> that was it. Was the default one at the top. And I thought, do you know what? I ain't got enough time to mess with the with the fonts. Uh, right. Who wants to go first? I think we'll uh, we'll draw up a list. And what I'll do is I'll alternate it every round. So, uh, any uh, any volunteers for a first first go? Go on. I'll go first because I'm giving me well, more option to more. <laughs> we'll go with pause first, and then anyone second. I'll pick someone if no one says. Right, Johnny, you're oh, second. Yeah, I'll, I'll go second, yeah. You're second on my list. Uh, third, we'll go with Simon. In fact, no, we won't. We'll go with Brady. And then we'll go with Luke, and Simon will go last. That's not for any particular reason. It's just that Brady's usually up there, so it may, it make quite good. Uh, should make quite a good watching if someone can beat Brady. So let's. Uh, well, you're setting me up here, Matt, to fail. I know. Well, Jonathan's <laughs> the the favourite. He's nervous, I think. Right, so uh, number one. So Matt's kick quiz, don't moan if it's too hard for your poser, is the title, and I'm sticking with it. Right, round one, guess the season. So these are the home kits. So in first, so first is pause. So pause, can you tell me what year this strip is from? Can you? It's when we got, it's promotion season against Sheffield United. Don't cheat by looking behind yeah. you either. I can see what you're doing. 2000, 2011, 2012. Is the correct answer. So, Pos, yeah. you've got more right this one. Do we get a bonus point if we know time. the player in it? <laughs> <laughs> Who is the player in it, John? 
That's just showing off. <laughs> I think it's Peter Clark, if I remember correctly. I was Clark, yeah. He's the great man himself. <laughs> uh, right, okay, so second is Mr. Wilkinson. Right. Uh, I think that's... Ooh, let me think. Fresh out. 15. Say that again, sorry. 14, 15. There we go. He's off, uh, off and running. Simon and Brady are looking nervous now. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. So this is Brady. I'll, uh, I'll just do a bit more scope for this, Brady, because this is one of the kits that Poz mentioned that went on for more than one season. I'll do a pauser and check my wall where I've got all my answers, <laughs> like frame. Prison uh, wall, does that, Brady? Is it 97 to 99? Ah, oh, damn. No, not, no, I think the 97, um, I'm not going to say just in case it pops up, but it was slightly different. Uh, right. So next is Luke. Go on then. That's oh, so man. easy as well. It's, yeah. so easy. it's on the badge. <laughs> that is the centenary kit 2008. Is it 2007 8 or is it 2008 9? Should be 8 9. Oh, oh have I got that? Yeah. Go on, yeah. <laughs> I thought that might. Throw a spanner in if it's eight nine or seven eight. I thought that might be the. <laughs> they won't get it, right, Simon? Oh, Oof. sixteen seventeen. You sure about that? No. <laughs> We're going sixteen seventeen. Yeah. Oh, it's the season before. Right, guys, that is round one of the quiz. And just to whet your appetite, the next one is alternative shirts. Guess the season, but we're going to stop sharing right there. Right. So we'll move on to uh, our next section here as I just move my bits and bats around on the screen. Uh, right. Okay. So we've talked about the design and the implementation phase of the kit now. And obviously, once you've designed it, you've implemented it, it's, you know, it's coming from wherever in uh, Umbro. Is it Turkey or something? There's a manufactured over there or something There's a few places to be honest yeah we won't talk about the the leaked yeah. <laughs> obviously they, they come from all over they're in you guys now sit together and you go right how are we going to sell this kit how are we going to get the people of huddersfield interested you know um this is a great kit what's going to get everybody what's going to get me pause simon and brady to buy this shirt so what in terms of marketing he tell us specifically what decisions are made obviously talk about the current campaign as well which i thought was really good uh with um you know the uh the 1922 fa cup winners and doesn't ernie islips as grandson just look exactly like him as well in the video that was absolute spitting image but just tell us about what an ideal kit launch looks like as well and and the decisions that you make uh before the kit goes on general sale yeah if you, want, you want me to you jump jump in luke where you, where you see fit but um, yeah this is you mate we um we like to tell the story with it. I think it's probably the best way of putting it. Um, and every year, if you look back, there's always kind of that angle. Um, the 1922 one, uh, as I said, we, we've been working on for literally years to try and do do um, those those plays justice, really. Um, and I think we've done that quite well. Um, regards to the actual marketing of it, we. We, this this year we got together kind of February March time, uh, having known that we'd be doing kind of the the retro kit, um, sat down and kind of worked with the uh, what we call the Marcoms team, which is marketing and communications, 
um, and literally storyboarded how we thought it could be launched. Um, we did something similar with the season card campaign, which I'm sure a lot of you have seen with the uh, with the passionate kind of story of what, what you miss at a football game. So we have, in, in essence, a, brain, a brainstorm of ideas um, which pulls everyone's thoughts together, and that's the point where people can discuss it. Then I head up the team that kind of goes away and looks at that and, and decides how it will look and feel. Um, so we work with our in-house designer to kind of put a little bit of scope to that and how it can look. We then bring that back to the, to the, the group and say, this is kind of what direction we're going in. Um, there'll be a second kind of set of, of, uh, of conversations then of, well, how about this, how about that? And then that might change it a little bit. Um, and then from there, we can just drive on to make it, make it happen based around when, we, when we're wanting to launch. Uh, the biggest challenge for us often is getting players in kit. So we often have to photograph it kind of uh, in April, May time to try and get the players in it so that when we, when we launch, they're generally sat on a beach in elsewhere, generally, not this year. Um, and then, and then we, we get it photographed and ready to go. Uh, Umbro send their photographers in um, and pull all that side together uh, and then supply us with the artwork, which we can then use for posters and social media posts and, and everything that you, you guys will see um, and go from there, really. How hard Wait, is, is it? The, um, sorry about that. Is, is the pandemic impacted you in any way this year in terms of how you'd have liked to have marketed to get anything you would have done different had we not been living in the surreal world that we are living in right now? Um, other than it's been quite hard, we've had to do things like we can't have the same player wearing the kits. Normally we get three or four players and just pass the kits on. Things like that we just had to be really, really careful with. We, we've had to sterilise kits after players have worn it and, and uh, that's one of the main reasons why if you look at the 1922 families, we, uh, there's only Molly, I think, who's got the kit on because we just couldn't take the risk of, of, of the COVID side. So it, it has impacted us a little bit. We've been uh, probably lucky a bit that we had quite a strong story. This story, like I say, we've, we've been working on for years. So we were ready to go with it. Um, the, the things that we've done in the past with kit launches that we just couldn't have done this year. Um, so... Not as much as it could have, I think, is probably the answer to that question. Yeah. Last, last year was probably the worst affected, wasn't it, Johnny? Because yeah. uh, so last year, from Umbro's photography point of view, we couldn't have, they were literally, we couldn't arrange a kit shoot with them because uh, obviously the restrictions were at their, uh, at their sort of strongest at that point. So we ended up uh, getting, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Louis O'Brien and Edmunds Green with a home and the away kit together because it was literally just a case of we had really limited time, limited resource, everything. Uh, and then we we involved some of the Huddersfield Town ladies as well. And But everything was socially distanced. Everything had to be put together. And it, it very tricky last year, but this year has been a bit easier, hasn't it, Johnny? Yeah, yeah. So when, when you get together then, Johnny... Um, how difficult is it to get fresh ideas? There's, there's obviously thousands of kit releases. There's huge marketing departments in Liverpool and Man City. Man City must be huge, you know, the, the entire marketing department there. And they've got Adidas and Nike on the back of it, et cetera, also uh, with lots of input. So how difficult is it to come up with 
obviously we've got the FA Cup this year, which is which is a really good one. But how difficult is it ordinarily to yeah, it's, it, get a fresh kit release, which is slightly different to everyone else's? Yeah, it, 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 it's it's hard, but in another way, it's quite easy, um, which I know contradicts itself. Um, <laughs> it, it helps that a lot of us that work at town are actually fans of the club, so we get a real feel of of the things that ma- that matter. Um, so we we're quite adept at understanding the kind of town fan um, things like the the Ray Wilson kit when we did that in um, sixteen seventeen to commemorate the uh, the England fifty years since we won the World Cup. It's, it's stories like that 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 really come to a lot of us when we're lying in bed at night and think, oh, that might work, and we're kind of planning all the way forward. So we're already thinking about. What we're going to do for the for the thrice champions so you you mull it over in your head i'm sure like you guys all do when you when you go home after work you you're thinking about these things all the time um so really it, we, we kind of throw it open to all the people within that group that luke alluded to before and come up with ideas of, of kind of concepts for kit and then it kind of comes from that really um we might see a kit that we like um others do and maybe do a huddersfield town twist on it and things like that so it can come it can come from that sometimes, um, but there's there's various reasons. So it's always done internally. We uh, we work with Umbro. Umbro can bring ideas to the table as well, um, but it's just a combination of kind of all them factors. And then we we pull that meeting together when we when we want to decide what kit we're going to do, and then and then it kind of grows from there really. So just, kit um, timings. So, so no, go on, Brady. I'll come back to my. Sorry, just um, just interested to. Get your thoughts on this though, Jonathan. Um, you mentioned all you guys being fans and kind of having an input on the kit. Have you have you ever considered, or perhaps in the past, um, uh, speaking to fans and getting their thoughts on kits that aren't released, or would that be a bit of a? I know COVID's made things yeah, a bit different. We, it, it's like, it's not really. I was I would think just thinking exactly the same there, mate. Like a focus group type thing. It's, it's lead time on them, really. If I'm honest, and Luke can talk a bit more about that, but it, it's. We, we talk to All Together Town panel about things like that and we get a grasp of it. We do a lot of reading online. We, you know, read down the Mac and Twitter and things like that and try and get a vibe of what people... Lucky like you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, Best it, cheers, I use a name. <laughs> a lot of people, I think, think that we decide what kit we're playing in, in April and then it arrives in kind of May, June time. And, and the lead time on it is so long that we're... Uh, it's quite hard to ask people because they expect it instantly and and it just doesn't work that way in in, in Umbro's world really so I'm sure we'll no. talk a bit more about that yeah I mean it, it, it's just it, it's the theory of almost the Osborne effect where you'd almost don't want somebody thinking about something before the actual thing that's going to be in front of them is out so like like we said the 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 22 23 kits are done and dusted now and were before even the release of the home kit and obviously we've still got the away and third to come so whilst you know it would make logical sense that the fans who at the end of the day the ones that are going to buy it would have a say in it it's almost just that lead time side of it which is almost like the biggest off put there are manufacturers and kit manufacturers out there with uh, I don't want to say a lesser brand because that'd be unfair, but not as uh, in, in the brand position as like an Umbro or a Puma or something that actually have a lot lesser lead time. So they can influence and use fans. 
but we're just not in that position at the moment. No, I mean, I get, I get that. I mean, we uh, disagree about things between four of us in a WhatsApp group. So I imagine uh, if you've got <laughs> loads of fans involved, it maybe dilute <laughs> than actually help. And of course, obviously, there's fans working at the club, isn't there? So you've still got got that there as well, which is obviously good to good to hear. One of the things I wanted to just a general question, really, and you pro, it's probably very easily answered with with lead times, like you mentioned, but uh, the kit timings. You know, I'm, I'm going to do a pauser hearing and say back in our day, kind of go back there. I remember back in the day, I've used the word, uh, the other phrase. Uh, they used to come out before the season ended, you know, they used to, and then they used to wear them, didn't they, in the last game of the season. Um, is it the lead times and the, the whole build-up which renders that this isn't possible we, anymore? Because you must get still get loads of people saying, can't you get these out for my summer holidays because I want to go to Marbella and have my new shirt on and, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a frustration for us a little bit. I mean... We, we wouldn't do that this year because the anniversary of the 1922 final is late April. So it would seem wrong to have a full season of um, of playing in that kit. And then when we get actually to the point where we, we celebrate 100 years, then we play in a new kit. It just so It depends how the fixtures fall, but um, I'm not sure if we could do that this year. Um, Luke, it's probably one more for you that, that of the lead time. Yeah, I, so yeah, I mean, the, there's two things we can talk about at this one. So the the first influence with kit, usually, I'm not going to say always, but usually is the sponsorship scenario. So, uh, you know, I'm sure uh, as, as open and honest as I can, is probably the best answer here. So if we haven't got the sponsor signed off by December the 1st, then that sponsor can't be applied on the kit at production. So that automatically adds four to eight weeks of sponsoring time in the UK. So even if, for example, the kit was delivered uh, in on UK shores beginning of June, you still would be looking at sort of a mid to late July for an actual delivery into the, into the business sort of thing. Now, we probably would have been sooner if it wasn't for the, well, we would have been sooner if it wasn't for obviously the disruption that's still sort of going on around the world. Now we are in probably what Johnny, the, the first situation since the promotion year, 1617, where we've got a deal with utilita that is X amount of years. So we're actually in a point where we've got the kit signed off. We've got the sponsor signed off. So on paper, they shouldn't be providing the world obviously gets back to a, a, whatever normality is nowadays. Uh, you know, it, it, there shouldn't be any delays on next year. So that's, that's kind of the story with that. It, the reality is me and Johnny, like Johnny said, the earlier, the better. You know, Father's Day is obviously a huge opportunity for us. Then kit launch season start, and then obviously Christmas. So the sooner we can get it out, the better for us. No, great answer. Uh, you guys got anything more on on marketing before we move on to the the second round of the quiz? Yeah, just just quickly. Um, obviously, you talked about utility, and you've got this three year deal. Have you ever had an incident where the sponsors maybe push back on the kit, like they you know they don't like how it's presented, or maybe their logo's not big enough, or any, anything kind of like that? I think generally they've been pleasantly surprised, Luke, haven't they? Really, if, I can't think of, yeah. of when they've said no. Um, yeah, no. I, a sponsor, 
never influenced the kit. Uh, so, I, I mean, a little bit of credit to Utilita, actually, with this one. They allow us to uh, change the colour on the front of their branding so that we can use that to actually uh, fit with a kit sort of thing. Mm. Been an issue? I, no, I, I wouldn't say there hasn't been, certainly whilst I've been at the club, a situation where a sponsor has fought back or said, actually, would prefer that or would prefer that, as it were. So... We, uh, we've helped them a bit. I know we develop on yeah. the 16, 17 away kit, the one that, that we, we got promoted in at Wembley, on the back of the shorts is the develop, which is going to be white. And I think with a, a, a respect to Brookie, he had a chat with him and said, look, this will be a lot better in a luminous yellow because it will yeah. look against it. So if anything, we, we've probably helped the businesses to get the maximum exposure uh, for their brand. So... It, it, it's a partnership thing. It's working with them at, at the levels that we can to make sure that they get the maximum exposure for their their brand, which is exactly how it should be. Really cool. I think it's the next round of the quiz, isn't it? So let me share this screen again. Right. Okay. I will stop the recording, and that wouldn't have been good. So share screen. Screen two. There we go. So round two. Alter alternative shirts. Guess the season. So I've gone for a particular theme. I didn't have time to change that from Ariel Narrow. Sorry, Brady. So we'll, we'll okay. get to that. <laughs> we'll move over that quickly. So uh, Johnny, we'll take uh, we'll go with you first this time. So we'll do that on a, a rotating per, a rotating basis. So Johnny, you go first this time, then Brady will go first next time, etc. Right. So number one. Give me a second. Oof. Number one. What season was this kit brought in? Uh... I'm going to go 14, mm, to the 14, 15 or 15, 16. I'm going to go 15, 16. That's a good job. You changed your mind there. Yes. <laughs> I thought it were going south then. I thought. I think my eyebrows must have given that away. My eyebrows oh. are going, going oh. north. <laughs> Were you playing many games in that guy? I don't really recall playing that many games. I just remember showing Luke, you've got a story about that, haven't you? Oh, so, so that, that kit was a tribute to the forces. It was a great... Well, it was an odd fur kit when it came, uh, but at the time, Dean wasn't too fond of it, so we didn't play it hardly. <laughs> It literally, it, it, it wasn't, it, you know, it we're nothing, it, it, we didn't actually need it often either. So, but, but yeah, that, that's why it didn't make many appearances. I think we played in it at Wolves. I remember Wolves away, Johnny, but maybe two. I don't, think, I don't think we've won in it. I think we lost 3-1 at Wolves and then we played again somewhere else and lost. Yeah. And we never yeah, we lose, just, lose at Wolves, do we? So obviously it's a... Uh, <laughs> no, it must have been yeah. bad luck. Um, and then we just, we just didn't play in it really. It's quite unusual for us, though. Right, Brady, you're next. Oh, oh what a shirt. I feel the pressure, yeah. One of my favorite, absolute favourites. That, that is the best shirt away we've ever I've, I've got two of these upstairs. I don't know how I've got two of them, but I've got two still from the original date that I'm not going to give because it would help Brady. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a story about that kit, actually. Getting a proper mind blank here. Um, 
Oh, uh, oh I don't know. Uh, I'm, I know this is wrong. 91. Yeah. Close. Sadly not. Right. Yeah, Luke. I'm doing well in this quiz. <laughs> I know the Incredible Hulk's going to uh, burst out any minute. <laughs> He's not that bad. I'm joking. Uh, right. So, Luke, you're next up. Oh, he got an easy oh, one. He oh. got an easy one. No, we, we say it's easy, but... Oh, I should know it. We've done retro shirts many a time. <laughs> oh, flipping heck. Li literally, this is beyond embarrassing. It's 94. 95. Oh, flipping it! I'm sorry. I'm going to offend every fan shirt. Literally, I've, I've got one behind my desk because we use it often as a kit. 1991 oh, to 1993. Is still going? Is still still company? I don't know. Don't know. Not no. sure. Sharp pass. Right, who's next? Simon, you're next. Right. Oh, even got a tag in. Brand new with tags. <laughs> um, what are we on now? Eighteen nineteen. I thought no sponsor on there yeah. might just throw it. We um we put we put three how many shirts out to about Luca then? That that was the gift from the board, wasn't it? That yeah, it was. yeah. Uh, yeah. three three thousand shirts, something like that. No, uh, yeah, I think it was just shy, just shy. That that were unreal. That took a heck of a lot. I didn't realize yeah. there is were that <laughs> were that big. <laughs> yeah. I think I've got one upstairs somewhere. I think I ended up with a triple XL upstairs. <laughs> so, but it was just it was just brilliant to get one. To be honest, it's, um, it was a really good, uh, really good thing for the club to do. Was that and uh, mine's upstairs somewhere. It, it were a bit mental walking through Southampton on the way back, uh, and these these great videos, isn't there, of like people getting the flight back up, and it's just like a yellow flag. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Pause. You're the last one. Oof. I think I seem to remember uh, James Vaughan wearing that kit, so somewhere around that time. When were Vaughan with us? Uh, Grayson era, wasn't it, as well, that sort of time, just for a couple of seasons in Championship. Uh, went 13, 14, or 14, 15, until maybe. Um, what year was Grayson? I'll go with 14, 15. 14, 15. Ah, you're right. Year back in it was generally it was the only year Grayson was there, wasn't it? That was the um I thought you were gonna get that then, but never mind. So that means that Johnny's got two and he's out into the lead. So the favorite <laughs> takes the lead. Luke looks devastated. And <laughs> how did he not get that one? That that's our best selling away Oh, that 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 is a shocker. I, I can assure you now that literally my inbox for the next year is gonna be <laughs> email <laughs> whenever it comes up on and anybody gives it one out of five stars i get really offended because it was an absolute icon of a shirt wasn't it back in the day i remember them saying like they were using it on like london catwalks and all sorts back in the early yeah, 90s cannabis street and everything yeah stuff like that and yeah. now people just go what an horrible shirt and when we brought it back in the it was the pre first season of the premier league it was one of the shirts wasn't it 
And I remember yeah, away yeah, fans, yeah. or not away fans, but fans of other clubs going, what terrible shirt that is. And I was just like, you're wrong. I remember Sorry, but they, um, they did a poll, the, the I think it matched of the day or something like that. And they said, oh, what is this kit? And then every every town fan commented underneath of, you don't know what you're on about because this is, this is iconic for... for yeah. No respect. Fans. No respect, yeah. that's what it is. I know, I know. <laughs> right, and same with that kit, sorry, that, that that was always planned for the season after, but because of the Premier League promotion, it got brought forward. Or have I kind of completely made that up? Um, we, all, we always had that kit, didn't we, Luke? Yeah, if anything, the Premier League somewhat curveballed that kit because uh, weirdly, so that was always going to be the third kit that year. But obviously, I mean, as always, because we were that far in advanced order, we never expected to go up in it. So not only did we never expect for that kit to grace the Premier League, which is just a great thing, but at the same time, we'd only ordered like a thousand of them, expecting like the, the people of <laughs> by it. It literally... Uh, well, I mean, look, all of you saw what happened during the Premier League, but it went on it first thing in the morning and it was literally gone by like 11am. It, it was just nuts, that kit. I remember we put it on the train station, didn't we? Yes, yeah. yeah. In the morning trying to get it sorted. Um, yeah. That was that season, wasn't it? Yeah. I do remember that. And one of the comments that made me laugh was underneath was Earl Crabtree's just hung his laundry out. And I thought that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Um, right, so we're moving on to uh, it's more away kit specifically now in in this this sort of section. And and the first, um, I'm going to go to a tweet we got from at Minardi Forever says, "How are decisions made on away kits?" He says he's assuming a bright one is necessary, uh, coral yellow. On what basis is the other one made? Is there a wish list for seasons with an eye to replica sales, etc.? Black, white, red, etc. Yeah, um, yeah. We 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 work on the base of of um, trying to do a, a kit that the older, slightly older generation could wear with a pair of pair of jeans in the pub, uh, and then one which is a bit more weird and wacky for um, uh, slightly youthful, more youthful um, angle really. So it's roughly around that. Regards to colours, um, um, Umbro kind of brief us in, into uh, what popular colours there are at the moment. Uh, and then every now and then we'll throw a, a retro in there as well, just to to give a, a little bit more of a more of a fever of of, uh, of past times, really. So it's a combination of all three, Luke, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think the home is a standalone because uh, we're blue and white. You know, end of discussion. Uh, and then the away, like Johnny sort of said the usual remit is we will always try and do one which is a little more subdued and then one that's maybe a bit mental or a bit of a retro or ju just some sort of uh, USP sort of thing or something that makes it unique and different. So that, that's what we try to tend to do with the aways. Have you ever thought about doing something really random like that no one else has done? So like Man United brought out the Zebra away kit, didn't they? Um you know, something maybe where you try and create something unique, you know, I mentioned before, jokingly, you know, purple and pink spots, et cetera. But has anyone ever thought, do you know what, let's do something completely unique in the world of football. This obviously could fall flat on its face, couldn't it? And everybody would hate it. But have you ever thought, you know, a bit, little bit like the 91, 92, 92, 93 shirt. Uh, have you ever sort of thought about, let's do something really, really strange or really peculiar and, and then see if that, that sells. And, and other things as well, like, um, 
ever thought about maybe linking with a, a foreign club, for example? Uh, you know, uh, you look at, I think in, it's in Brazil where people can't wear their home kits for fear, I think Brazil and Argentina, for fear of people, you know, attacking them in the street. So apparently over there, a lot of them wear, you know, different shirts from across Europe and different ones because that's, that's the done thing. So, you know, you could potentially partner with, uh, I don't know, let's say Flamengo because they're playing red and black, you know, like uh, like some of our away kits. Has, has anything like that ever come up where you potentially you've kind of looked at that and gone, you know what, well, maybe people could walk around streets of Sao Paulo wearing blue and white shirts or Argentina because, you know, we've taken on a similar sort of looking kit to someone else. That was just a mishmash of random ideas that I threw together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Johnny, you want to answer that one? <laughs> um, well, breaking that down, no, we've not really done it um more for lead times because the, the, the great ideas but you've got to be our heads are already in 23 24 Luke Carly so it, it it's it's a theory that would be good but it takes so much planning and then you've got to make sure the other clubs involved so uh I'm not saying no but but it, it would take a little bit more more thought into it um have we ever thought of anything pink and polka dot Probably not for the simple reason no. that we think we'd get absolutely killed by our fans. <laughs> it's something. Um, there's a fine line between it being cool and being weird, I suppose. <laughs> and you've got to you got to play that line quite quite delicately, really. Yeah, I did. I did read not so long ago that um, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it was Nike. I could, I could be wrong. Could be Adidas or one of the you know the Nike or the Adidas, sort of the big majors. <clears throat> they sometimes almost set up a kit, um, so they will bring something out that does cause quite a lot of controversy. Like you just said, there, uh, Johnny, they'll bring out a kit that everyone hates, um, on knowing that they'd get a lot of feedback saying this is crap, go back traditional, go back traditional, knowing full well that the next kit will be really traditional. Almost, uh, we can almost accept a year of you know, 75% sales rather than 100% sales, knowing that because we'll listen to the fans and change it, bearing in mind what you said about lead time is obviously, you know, out of the window. Have you ever thought about sort of sort of that sort of angle? Almost creating a rubbish kit and then that, bringing that really nice one to, to bring people back on side? Okay, or is that power a little bit, isn't it? Really <laughs> risky move. <laughs> um, honestly, obviously, I think it's not really. Barcelona will sell a lot of shirts anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't, I, I mean, similar, but I wouldn't want to say our, our last home kit was, was rubbish because it, it sold really well, but we purposefully put the wider stripes on that in order to know that we were going to go for the thinnest yeah. this year. So um, we do, there is often a plan that fans can't see. So when people go, oh, the stripe's too wide, it's not traditional. You, it's hard for me and Luke because we know in 12 months yeah. We're going to go back to traditional. Um, so I don't think we set out to make a bad kit, um, but we we kind of factor in. So we know what colour palette we'll be using for this year, and then we'll make sure that we'll use a different colour palette to that for. Yeah, yeah. So, so a little bit of planning, but I don't. I think it's a dangerous thing for a traditional club like us to start putting weird and wacky out there, really. But. Some of the um, ones I remember Sheffield United did the pink one. Coventry did that famous brown kit as well, didn't they? And there's there's yeah. a few, isn't there? The Man United Zebra one. But I can see where you're going. You have to be a certain, I think you have to be a club to absorb a lot of, you know, a lot of what comes in. And I don't know if 
I don't know if Huddersfield would would like it. Would they? you know the, the fans in particular I'm thinking of probably wouldn't like the, the exposure. Maybe sometimes the more Larry gets and the more outrageous ones as well don't come into their own until sort of twenty years down the line. And at the moment, there's, there's a massive demand for retro kits, um, and you look back and they are all the nineties. There's a lot of wild kits that at the time probably didn't sell that well, and that's obviously why they're well sought after. Whereas now people see them as all you know the, the grey Liverpool candy kit for example and um, the Man United the blue flashy sort of kit and stuff like that as people seem to be really sort after the retro shirts at the moment so I suppose yeah, which is to, to be fair Umbro Umbro, Umbro f- f- saw that and said to us think about doing a retro at the meeting where we talked about the 22 the the FA Cup one so it kind of worked really well for us because we were like well that's yeah. what we wanted to do anyway um, but you're right you know it, we, if we did a pink and polka dot shirt, yeah, <laughs> it's a balance between not being laughed at and, and yeah, having yeah. it becomes yeah, a... Yeah, doing it for the right reason, isn't it? So hopefully we'll I see think, that. I think pink and polka dot might be too far. I don't know where Matt's got that idea from. That's all I can think of off the top of my head. It's, it's what goes on inside here. It's very worrying <laughs> at times. Yeah, there you go. Just, um, I was going to say, is there, is there any other clubs you kind of, you guys think are doing a really good job where you kind of look to as like, oh, they're you know, I really like what they're doing in terms of their kits. Obviously, I know a big thing because we, uh, on the podcast, we had Phil Delves, who's a bit of a retro kit collector and, you know, all his job is talking about football shirts and our blackout kits are very in at the moment. Um, but is there any kind of clubs that you you like the cut of their jib and what they're doing with their shirts at the moment? Yeah, we, I mean, you'd be surprised. We we put a document together, Luke and I, um, probably a month before that first Umbro meeting and literally have all of the designs that we have seen for that that year that we think are cool. So um, Oxford, if you remember, had that that slash uh, across, which was quite a nice kit. Um, so I know we, we looked at that, and then Juve and the kit they had previous to the one we've currently got now. So we throw all of this into kind of a big document, which is about about 100 pages, Luke. Remember right? Yeah, it's a collection, isn't it, of things then, that... Yeah, and, then, around. and then we literally go through and, and almost the group go, yes, no, well, that might work. Let's have a look at that. So um, in answer to your question, you know, it's the ones that you'd, you'd expect, but on the same hand, we wouldn't want to copy uh, because it's important to us that Huddersfield Town is Huddersfield Town and, and we, you know, we, we don't want to get in a situation where we've got a, a Paris Saint-Germain rip-off kind of thing. So it, it's, yeah. it's all about... About being inspired, but certainly not copy. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, you said mentioned blackout and HTFC Dreams was one of the ones who, who said well, would Huddersfield consider an all black, all black away kit. But I'm, I'm I'm guessing just from previously, nothing's off the table really, is it going forward with uh, with designs for away kits? No, um, we 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 know the colours we've used, we know the colours we haven't used for a while. So uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. How many shirts do you typically sell then? Uh, I know different. there'll be different years, won't they? You know, the Premier League years will be up here and then the ones where we're not doing so well will probably be a little bit further down. But what's, off, what's the average, would you say, for a championship? And do you know where towns sit, you know, in comparison to other clubs? In regards yeah. To, that? Uh, to, be, to be fair, when you talk to other clubs, we are probably right where you'd expect us to be with the amount of season card holders that we have. Uh, you're quite right that in terms of an actual number, it fluctuates that much that it's impossible to say this is exactly where we are. That, that you know, uh, 
when we were so Premier League year one, we sold three times as many home shirts. Uh, so it, it just it really does fluctuate with performance. The, the only the, the frustrating thing with shirt sales uh, is you never want obviously to be left with loads. You know, you know, we've been down that we've we've been in that trap to be fair before. Uh, so we always have to look at hopefully selling almost out, but it's very difficult because, like for example, the promotion year. Uh, when you know you're going to be getting into the playoffs, it's way too late to do anything about that at that point because of the lead times that are surrounded around that kit. So, yeah, it, it fluctuates with the numbers, I've got to say. That's fine. I was going to ask, which is the the, the biggest selling shirt of all time, but yeah, I think Jonathan mentioned the 91-92 red and black one. Would that top the Premier League one, do you think? No. we No, Premier League would top. Yeah, if, if you count how many times we've redone that shirt, <laughs> it's sort of like gaps its own. But yeah, no, the Premier League three, the, the first year, way, way outweigh everything else, basically, the home, which in itself were a bit of a controversial shirt at the time with the bubbles. Uh, and then the away shirt, which uh, I think we've got to give it him, haven't we, Johnny, that were, were predominant rookies' idea. The, the navy and pink pinstripe. Uh, and then, yeah, the third. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win... Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Shirt, which was obviously the redo of the, the goal. Which we... It's interesting you say that about McDonald's before. Uh, a couple of years before, we talked about bringing that in. Uh, but I think we couldn't fit the colour scheme in with what we were planning on doing for one of them, if I remember rightly. Well, well we, did, we did try, didn't we, to, uh, Johnny? We brought it... We, uh, Wake it, but a modern version. Uh, I can't remember. I can picture Naki in it. So I'm going to we go. Had, 50- no, we went for the England. We went for the England 50 year one, which meant yeah. we weren't red year after, which was yeah. a season. So then we did it the season after that to make it red again. Right. This is, these are the sad conversations. I'm sad enough to enjoy it's, it's interesting what you say though, Luke, about the, the first season um Premier League kit, you know, with the similar to um the sort of 99, 2000, 2002. So you know, for me that were a, a modern take on that. And you, you mentioned the sales, it were a shirt that I particularly didn't like, uh, but bought just because it's only in wardrobe now and when you know, my kids are older, I can get it out and go, this was a shirt we wore 
in the Premier League. So I think sometimes the design, from a fan's point of view, doesn't particularly matter if it's a, um, it becomes more of a memorabilia than a yeah. merchandise, if that makes sense. Um, no, and I'd imagine that a lot of fans do the same. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd buy shirts, but I don't particularly wear them to match. They're more of a, you know, to play footy in or around the house kind of thing. Um, but like I said, that was probably one of those that you'd buy, it could have looked like old and it would have been snapped up just for that. You know, we can look back in 20 years and be like, well, look at this shirt, you know, this is what we were when we were in Premier League. So I think that, yeah. as you say, the sales of a shirt is not always dictated by how many season ticket holders we have. It's the, the period. And I imagine that if we get promoted in a shirt, you might find a massive influx at end of season. Yeah. Rather than beginning because again, I want I want to look back and remember that. It's a little bit like the quiz. You know, we can all look at those shirts and say, oh, so and so played in that. And you yeah. know, oh, I remember Mackie Well scoring in that. And you ask what season it is and you've no idea. But you yeah. you can remember specific moments and I think that's probably a big driver for sales I remember we got a fair bit sick the the Schindler shirt from from Wembley when we launched that, it was 50-50. A lot of people didn't like it, but now it's one of the most popular shirts we've ever done because people associate that penalty with that shirt and and that's it now. It's in Huddersfield Town history forever. So it's weird. It, it does change your mind when you look back a bit. When you, I actually, I actually um, didn't buy that shirt and now I'm after one just now she knows left. We're like, oh, I'd love them then. If anybody's got a spare one for sale, let me know. <laughs> right, fantastic. I've just realised I've not put an answer on one of these quiz ones, but I do know what the answer is. So, so I just thought, well, move on to the quiz. One from me. Um, be a miss not to move on from shirts without asking you both what your favourite shirt is, if you've got one over the last how many years. John, do you want to go first? Uh, I've, I've, well, I... I I'm a shirt connoisseur, so I've got literally, I must have approaching 150 Huddersfield Town shirts, maybe. So it, it's quite frightening the amount of shirts I've actually got. Um, Show off. <laughs> so, <laughs> to, to decide on one, I mean, do you know what? The, the Wembley 95 one, I think, is probably the one for me. And we modelled the 16-17 uh, one, the, 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 the promotion season on that um so it, it always for me gives good vibes that we always get promoted in that kind of in that shirt um so maybe we should have that next year look <laughs> but um but one of them probably the panasonic 95 one is probably the one for me yeah. it for me uh, and, and it's funny we we, we so a little bit of a background. We thought this question had come up and we didn't want to pick the same shirt so that we didn't give you a bit of a naff answer. But for me, it, it's definitely the 1617 the Ray Wilson one, just because what that was, uh, Alzheimer's sort of affected uh, my grandma. So that were a big thing for me, but also, uh, and we were talking about this, Johnny, and, and Matt, I think I'll be okay saying this one, but we got Ray in the office to sign a piece of paper that had to be sent to Puma head office to get on the kit. And we also got him to sign a ball uh, and Ray, and I think it was his son at the time, just walked into the office and, you know, I was a little bit sheepish. I were a bit like, wow, I was a 66 World Cup winner in the office here. And I went, uh, Ray, can, can, you just, uh, can you just sign that ball for me? Uh, and Ray's reply was, 
Yeah, which one, lad? Left or right? So I, I, <laughs> I, I, I just, I'll never forget that moment. Uh, and it'll be one that I'll sort of tell my grandkids and everything. It just, so that, that always has a story for me uh, and, and a real special place kind of thing. Yeah, on, his Wiki, on, on his Wikipedia, I mean, it's how sad we are, but on his Wikipedia, it actually has a paragraph about that, which, you know, it it means nothing really, but but means so much for me and Luke because we've worked on that kit and a part of a bloke who did so much for English football on his Wikipedia page is a paragraph about what me and him did. So it's quite, you know, it, it's these little little bits that, that this job gives you that you just like blow your head really. So um, it, it were a lovely kit that, and and obviously we got promoted in in that season as well. So all came together. I think not, not just uh, not just the links to your job there, Johnny, as you've just said, but as fans, you know, Luke's mentioned there about you know the Alzheimer's link and. There's always links in there within football. Everybody can draw a link from something that means something to them. And the kit is sometimes the the spearhead and the figure of that. As I've just said, you know, the moment, you don't know the season, you don't remember the result, but you can just remember the moment. And it's it's amazing just by looking at a football shirt. Are you probably sitting here is in your mother-in-law's loft and look at your 150 shirts, Johnny, and remember and just think, I oh, remember this when we wore that. Remember that when we did that. And just by literally looking at a piece of material can bring back so many memories. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Let's move on to a quick one. I've got to ask. So, second question least favourite shirt. I know if you're expecting this one as well. None of them are they going to say, are they? Yeah. Oof. No, no, I, I can give you mine straight away. Uh, and I'll be brutally honest as well. So, People genuinely might hate me for this one, but here we go. 14-15, it was my sort of like, or it was certainly me and Johnny's sort of first year in there. And I remember going in saying, do you know what? We should really consider doing something a little different. You know, just change it a little bit, do something so that it stands out. And we faded the stripes. It came up in the quiz earlier on. Let's go, Now, and I, I think it's a shocker. (laughs) but uh yeah uh, partial and some of the blame definitely goes our way for that as well (laughs) Mm. i don't know i i'm i'm struggling to think about i I wasn't a fan of the camouflage if i'm honest um but i think that will come round. that'll be a collector's item that one it's not many people had it Um, i don't know you can look back to the kind of 60s and 70s and probably pull out some bad ones but um, so when town had blue home shirts, that's a bit of a shocker. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, right, shall we go on to? There's just lots of. I'm thinking, is there a full blue home kit in the making now? <laughs> you got everybody thinking now. Now we know. Now we know. It's like, do we read all the facial expressions when we measure kit? No, I don't think. I don't think. We, I don't think we think. Move we, on, Matt. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Johnston's not coming back. No way, no way. <laughs> okay, cool. We'll uh, we'll move on to the next round of of the quiz. Unless anyone's got anything else, Brady, Sai, anything? Oh. No, good. Excellent. Right, so it's round three of the quiz. Uh, I'm going to mix this up slightly because the first question is for Brady, and I think it's a bit too hard for him. So I'm going to give it you, Jonathan. I'm going to cheat slightly because I know you'll get the answer. <laughs> I know Brady wouldn't. So I'm going to give Brady That's the favourite. It's um. I just, I just feel a bit bad for him, that's all. <laughs> so let's uh, share the screen again. Oh, if I get this now. 
I know. I'll, I'll, I'm sorry if you do, but I don't think you will. I think Jonathan definitely will. Right. So uh, we'll go with Mr. Wilkinson first. Can you guess the manufacturer? So this is the uh, the person who makes the kit, obviously. So the first one is... Oof. Uh, match winner. Straight away. There you go. See, Brady, would you got that one? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was indeed the, match winner. I've got one. Is that the one we lost 10-1 in? It is, yeah. It's a very infamous shirt. That's one that... I think... Did did we bring that back, Luke, at some point? Did that ever come back? Or... Uh, no. We, we've done a mug of it, but we've never brought that That's one. It. That's it. It's... um. It's, it's a classic for all the wrong reasons, isn't it? The Malcolm McDonald's. Yeah, you're quite right. Yeah. So, Mr. <laughs> Wilkinson is on 100% so far. So, next is Brady. So, we'll, we'll loop back to you, Brady, on this one. Uh, pony. Hey, Brady is off the mark. I, uh, <laughs> I've got that shirt, so if I got that wrong, <laughs> that would have been bad. <laughs> that's, that's one of the classic ones, you know, what I mentioned earlier about doing something a bit different. I remember that was, at the time, was seen as something a little bit different and a step away from the norm, wasn't it? And it was more of a leisure i think they sold it as more of a a leisure shirt you know something that you could go to like you say go to the pub in or just hang around the shops and whatnot because I, I i live in leeds and they've had some over here they've had um what do you call them the italian one which is really skin tight and macron kappa. and kappa and to see blokes yeah. in their 50s going to the shops wearing you know tight <laughs> kappa shirts whoever they support is not a, not the best of luck and not one i'm going to follow but that one was definitely a, a classic so Luke, you're just, up next. Um, sorry, Matt. Just quickly, just on that, I wore that my version of that shirt to the playoff final, and uh, there was an old guy who was wearing the same uh, same one as me on the on the tube, and the joy in his face when he saw someone else wearing this shirt. <laughs> a cult. And that's it. again talking about memories. There we go. That's one that always sticks with me. <laughs> right then, Luke, are you ready? Let's go. Oh, oh. I think I know this. I remember that one, yeah. Everybody's got one, Luke. Everybody's got one, hint. <laughs> it's too early for Admiral, isn't it? Yeah. Oh. Bloody neck. Do you know, shocker, I can't tell you what year that is. I know the crest. You can have a look at the label. You can see on the label, nearly. <laughs> It's not a isn't it? But it is on the level. Oh, I can't see that, Johnny. My word. It's a good job I didn't use high-res pictures for this. Yeah, you're not right. It's... <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to have to give it a pass. Can I, can I jump in? <laughs> Pause, did you say you knew what this was? Can I, can I, can I, look, can I have a quick look? I'm less likely to say right than Johnny. Go on, then. Is it, is it blocks? Your blogs, yeah. Oh, no, hang on. <laughs> Hang on, I've gone backwards. There you go. Blogs. It is. Everybody's got one, Luke. Joe Blogs. Joe Blogs. No, I wouldn't have got that. I, I know the crest. That's the Rubri here, isn't it? That's Rubri. the one, yeah. I prefer, yeah. I'm going to whisper that slightly. I preferred that one, but we'll Oof. move on. Oh, <laughs> it's controversial. I, yeah, I don't like shields, but we're not, we're not talking about Chris. Number, <laughs> who's next? We have Simon. You are next. Sadly, you don't get a point for that one. We have this one. And this one, I remember, went pink in the wash. And there's a pic, there used to be a picture on the, in the program of Simon Baldry wearing a, uh, a pink and white shirt at one point. Okay. Is this Admiral? Is that your final answer? 
It's not because I can see Johnny shaking his head, but I can't <laughs> think who else it could be. I am. They are getting slightly harder as this this quiz as it's moving on. Johnny, uh, VOI, I think it was. Yeah. It was VOI. Uh, we, there's a story behind that actually. The the original one was the other way around with the colours, and then they switched it. How sad am I, really? <laughs> this is why Luke said you'd win the quiz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can see it now. You shouldn't have invited him on. He <laughs> <laughs> only let me out for special occasions. <laughs> right then, the last one is uh, Dan Porritt. Oh, do you know what? I had one of these and I've only recently sold it. Uh, started this earlier, start of this season, sold it to um, there's a collector on Twitter, the Huddersfield Town. Are you shirt. stalling while yeah. you're searching for the answer in the back of your mind? No, no, it's um, <laughs> I do know it. I'm sure it begins with B. I can't remember exactly. Is it Booker or Booker or? Is that close enough to get a point? Shall we give him that? Yeah. Oh, you said it. Then. Yeah, that's Bukta. fair. Bukta. Bukta. Yeah, that's the one. There you go. We'll give you that one. So eighty-six. Yeah, that was a harder one. So we'll definitely give you that one. So uh, the next one is going to be guess the sponsor. So we'll uh, we'll come back and we'll stop sharing for now, uh, and we'll go on to our next our next bit as it um, as it goes down to into more general marketing terms now. So um, probably your around it's probably going to be a quick one as well it's i've started off with a big list of things and it's getting thinner as, as, it's, as it's going on it's like when i used to do uh, university work uh but the first thing i've got really is the premier league was obviously a difference changer for for huddersfield town you know in many you know on and off the pitch um what impact did the premier league have in terms of overseas interaction so you can talk about it from your guys perspective you know in terms of sales um because I, I remember people from Canada and whatnot, America going, I'm going to adopt Huddersfield as my team and sending, you know, buying shirts online and paying for postage to, you know, Wisconsin or wherever, you know, all sorts. And there were all sorts of weird and wonderful places popping up wanting Huddersfield shirts. And it was, it was a good time, wasn't it? That, that, that era. Have we, have we maintained any of that? Um, or was that kind of the Premier League, uh, a one, a one time only deal really? Johnny, do you want this or do you want me? Uh, no, I'm, I'll start. I'll push that. Um, yeah, the Premier League obviously gets eyeballs on the club that, that you know, would never have been able to reach before. Um, I think Kobe's had a bit of an effect on it now uh, um, for things that we could have done. Um, I can only talk in things like our database and things like that, uh, of which we've still got all of the information and people on there that are in Huddersfield Town. The, uh, the Premier League also gave us quite a lot of information about people that, that rated us as a favourite club or, or second favourite club. So we do quite a lot with, with, um, with that information. Um, it, it, it's a tricky one, really. I mean, our hardcore fans really are the, the bread and butter for us. Um, but we do have you know, quite a lot of, um, of people abroad that, that still follow the club. Um, so, so yeah, it, it, it definitely raised some, some awareness, um, but it certainly tailed off. It would be wrong for me to say anything else. Um, but the, like I say, the COVID thing has not helped us with that as well, I think. Um, but we've still got them and we still communicate with them. And, and Luke will know more about the, the sales side of it as well, where we, where we ping shirts across the globe. So. I was going to say, Luke, yeah. what would be the most sort of, 
obscure place maybe that you've sent a shirt. Obviously, we don't need their, their address GDPR purposes and whatnot. <laughs> um, but what, um, what, uh, where would you say is probably the, the most far away place we have uh, maybe posted? You, you probably name it, and we've had an order for it at some point. Uh, so I obviously I have to be careful and not get myself into trouble. So there are some places where we have sent shirts and you look at the tracking information, they've just never got out of customs. So that, that's always that's always a bit of a tricky one. Uh, we've sent really obscure orders of shirts as well. So like Premier League and you'd send uh, an X amount of shirts. So say like a bundle of 10 shirts to uh, Far East and you wonder, well, what, what's kind of going on there sort of thing. So Premier League wise, we it, it was absolutely mental it literally you could probably name a country and we sent a shirt to it uh from the sales point of view so probably from a premier league point of view what happened with retail is you got like pockets of madness so from the minute that aaron became a household name in our premier league side we were just sending absolutely loads over to australia uh, obviously, uh, the German influence in the side, we were sending loads over there. America ran, uh, Johnny, they did the program, didn't they? The NBC promoted series. Mm, yeah, yeah. And from there, that that got the uh, that got the image of Woodysfield Town over there. So, yeah, it just went a bit crazy, really. And you had America, Germany and Australia sort of leading the way for international. But then everywhere else sort of like started popping up. And then you used to get a few random ones. I know we had quite a bit of Egypt way as well when we uh when we had Sobi who I know didn't feature that often but uh it, it still had an effect on what people were buying overseas so uh but yeah probably to echo what Johnny said there is still your core fans that we know and interact with in America in Australia that we still send to them every year uh but from the wider appeal that was kind of exclusive to that league as it were and the eyes that that brought with it We've, we've done things before which perhaps fans aren't aware of simply because they're often not in those regions, but we did things in Denmark, didn't we, Luke, where we went over and yeah. took Lossel and, and Billing and uh, and went into one of the shops. We did, um, we've done Facebook target marketing to areas in Australia that we know of. Aaron is or was popular. Um, we've done bits in Germany around the Hef and the range of the Hef stuff, so uh, to Dynamo. Dryzen fans, so we do. We probably do more that, than than perhaps our fans realise. But at the end of the day, it target marketing, and we wouldn't expect them to know really because it's it's all directed to the people that we need it to. So we've 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 uh, we've done bits quite successfully. Uh, apologies for this as well because this is all this is a bit scatter. Is this round? If you like this round of questions from me. Um, but there's there's a, there's a very sort of changing face of social media now, and it's uh, I think at one point Twitter was quite a well was it a happy place maybe at one point, but it was it seemed to be a bit more jovial at one point, more memes than than anger if you like. Uh, you know, obviously that's changing. Um, can posting on social media do you think maybe damage? Obviously, I'm going to say this, not you guys, but I see a lot of Huddersfield Town tweets, and then underneath it's just a a load of nonsense from fans of other clubs, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate. I'm a big hater of what they refer to as football Twitter, you know, and there's, there's sort of just endless comments of nonsense underneath from, you know, what you presume is a younger end of, uh, you know, getting to grips with social media for the first time. And do you think that ever negatively affects 
you know, they always say never read the comments, et cetera. I know, but do you think sometimes what you guys could put, you know, you put a great video out the other day, which Poza was there, where you front and center singing and dancing in the, you know, you in your south stand and whatnot about, you know. See, I told you, they put me on the shop, they put me on video. On commission, <laughs> out you as well. All for free as well. Yeah. <laughs> but, you Force know, you speak something like that out. Do you think it ever has a negative effect, you know, the, the response can have on that at all? Just a, a question from left field, really. Yeah, I think it's a tricky one. I mean, you, you the, the alternative is not to put anything out at all, which... Um, then doesn't reward the fans that actually respect the things that you want it to do. Mm. So I think you've got to take it with a pinch of salt, sadly, with, with social media. Um, I don't think it's ever got to a situation we thought we're not going to post anything because of the bad reaction. Um, but it, it is something that, that we're aware of and that I know our, our comms guys are very, very keen on keeping an eye on and trying to, trying to get you know, uh, a situation where we where we don't have that, but there is that element out there, and it can sometimes be a little demoralising when when you've worked hard on a on a on a project, and then it, it gets ripped to shreds by often people that aren't even Huddersfield Town fans. So it'd be wrong of me to say no, um, but we just kind of we're used to it. I think it's probably the best way of putting it, which is is not an indictment of how it should be. But you've just got to get on with it and and remember the, the true fans like like you guys that are out there and you know and and warm things from the club. So you just keep you just keep going with it. Yeah, I thought that video was great anyway. The last few that you stuck out. So I'll uh, I'll definitely give you uh, give you that for sure. Um some other things as well is um Poz, did you want to say something then? I thought I heard someone Okay, cool. Uh right, okay. So in terms of in terms of videos, I'm I'm a sucker for a, a video like that. You know, this that's what I I like to see. You know, that sort of video content. Um, there is some you know there's some really good stuff that comes out to celebrate um, clubs, kits, achievements. Um, is this something? You know, when when you look at your um, your strategy, if you like, do you think videos that sort of side of things are sort of would you say the top of top of uh, your agenda, if you like, for getting you know a decent a decent video out there, like the the FA Cup one? You know, we just said it was really good. Is that do you think that's the most powerful way to market something? Um, I think it changes uh, depending on the point of when you when your launch is really. So I think it's very important to have have a good launch video at the beginning um, because that's when you get a lot of the eyeballs. It's a matter of then following it through. Uh, it's one of them where you've watched a video once, do you go back and watch it four, five, six times? It, it, I think it's that impact thing with the video, whereas they follow it through with the social media and the, uh, the graphics that throw you back to the video and the memories that you have, um, like we've done with with, with Ozzer and, and what have you, um, just to reiterate and re-emphasize the, um, the message, really. Uh, we're very lucky we've got a very good video team um, at, at the club, so we, all, we do all them videos internally and, and, and they work really well for us, um, and we, we are very lucky that we've got the people that we have to do them. Absolutely. I think it's difficult for it must be just be picking up from what you say in there, guys. It must be really difficult. I mean, I've been critical of things that happen in Huddersfield Town and, you know, I pray. I, used, I like to think of one of those that if, if I don't think it's right, I'll say, but try to be a little bit constructive rather than, you know, it's crap and all. And then if it's good, again, to say it's good and as to why. But when, when you take a step back and as I've got older and probably less... Um, 
forthright with my opinion and consider things a little bit better than what I maybe used to do in the past. I think going through the experience of being at a football club, it must be really difficult because a lot of brands have a target audience of maybe an age range of maybe 10 years where a football club can have a target audience of someone like my lad who's five, right up to 60, 70, 80 year olds. And all of those people will expect a different message because you try to make it as personal as you can. So if you try and target someone at 19 with a video, I would look and think, what what on earth is all this nonsense? Because I don't understand it. It's not my sort of genre. And likewise, if you try and do something for the older and the younger, I'm going to be engaged by it. So it must be really difficult to pick a, a theme for a campaign. And the, the one that's come out at the moment, I think, is probably one of the ones that has been done really well. And the thing behind it, touches everybody from the kids right up because no one's been able to go so it hits home with every age group um but apart from that it must be really difficult to think who do we who do we aim the the kit at because everybody buys a kid oh, like say right from kids all the way up how do you sort of weigh up do you pick a, a range at either end or do you just think we're just gonna you, try to cover everyone or a you, bit of you, everything yeah you try and cover everyone to be honest um Regarding messages, we use a different medium. So if you follow us on TikTok, you'll get a very different experience to if you follow us on Facebook. Um, right. Try and target uh, roughly on age demographics. Um, you're right with the video. I mean, the, without wishing to go on, but the, the video that we, that we pulled together, we literally sat in a room and, and threw all the things that we were missing as football fans and then wrote that script. Um, and but we we purposely took kind of uh, the age range of the office, someone who was twenty, someone who's forty, and someone who's in the fifties, and kind of said, "What do you miss?" And then pulled all that together. So you you, you do you can't please everyone all of the time, and and you've got to have a, a level of trying to do the right thing that you think is right for for the fan base overall. Yeah, just just on that as well, fellas. I remember the day that Johnny phoned me and wanted to read that script out to me. How uh, much have you cut out of the actual one, Johnny? Because I swear to God, we were on that phone for about half an hour, the first one. <laughs> yeah, that, that script, it's a three-minute video. We started off, I think it was about eight minutes long, and we just had to literally cut all the things we wanted um, out of it and just pull it right down. So, yeah, yeah, yeah close to our hearts, really, that one. Yeah, Twitter obviously is two minutes twenty, isn't it? The the video length that it allows you. So yeah, um, I I follow and follow that quite a lot. But I've also noticed as well that if you put the video on YouTube and then link it, nobody looks at it. So it's best to go directly onto uh, Twitter. And then when you stick it on Facebook, if there's a, a one note that sounds like something, it pulls it, which is always fun. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Enough about <laughs> me. Uh, right. So uh, Luke, one thing you mentioned as well about um, which is just. Um, got me thinking as well. It wasn't on my original thing. Was um, you mentioned that sometimes you get left with a lot of shirts. What what do you do with this sort of excess shirts? Do you keep them in a store cupboard? Do you ever send them out to? You know, I've seen before. There's, I think you guys have sent them to Sierra Leone. There's a there's a football team, isn't the Huddersfield Freetown? I think it is in Sierra Leone and stuff like that. Um, what do you guys usually do with them? So what what with with excess shirts? I mean, we haven't been in a terrible sit or a bad situation, shall we say, for a few years. But what we tend to do is 
we will have a price point that we'll adhere to. Uh, so, for example, uh, you can pick up, I mean, there isn't that many left, but you can pick up a last season shirt, I think, for £20 at the minute. At that point, that we will uh, carry on selling them until we think, do you know what? The people who want them for like five a side or, you know, like to kick around on a Sunday league or whatever it be, have got them. And then at that point, we use the Huddersfield Town Foundation. Uh, and what those guys do over there, which, which is fantastic, they will distribute to, uh, you know, overseas, like you've said, uh, and then really sort of where they see fit and have done their research about where it's going to be best used and, and where, uh, not you know, not so much brand or anything like that, just actually where it's going to be uh, thankfully received sort of thing. So, yeah, no credit from our point of view. That's that's the foundation. But as I say, we, we haven't been in uh, such a tricky situation. So last year where a lot of football clubs uh, probably found themselves in a bit of a tricky situation, given obviously COVID came along and, and uh, you know, sales were impacted and everything. We obviously had the one-off uh, sponsorship. So we had to sort of give Brookie all our stuff. <laughs> so mm. it were a bit of a, it, an interesting season, I think, for most. But yeah, so to answer your question, it's the Huddersfield Town Foundation that, that distribute all any or any excess kit remaining. That's really cool. That's really good. That's a that's a really good thing what the foundation do. Another good thing that the the foundation do. So that's really good to good to hear for sure. Um, I've got no more uh, questions on that unless you guys have, have have got anything. Otherwise, it'll be round four of the quiz and who can catch uh, Mr. Wilkinson. Nope. Can we move on? <laughs> no, one, one no one's catching that. him either. No <laughs> one's catching him. I think that's. He's, I think it's a foregone conclusion. Look <laughs> if he turns his monitor around, he's got all his 150 shirts. <laughs> yeah, he's got historical kits next to him. I'm telling you now. <laughs> we'll have to try and find uh something different. Right. Okay, so I'll share my screen again. And we'll go with screen two. Okay, so the next round is going to be guess the sponsor. Um Luke, I think your first one up. Let's do it. So uh, what I've done is uh, I've not even used Photoshop for this. I've used Microsoft, like the snipping tool. So no expense spared for this one. So um, guess the sponsor, number one. <laughs> oh, no sponsor. Uh, or technically Paddy Power, but obviously didn't appear on the shirt. I thought that might catch someone out. I'll be honest. That, that, was, um, that was me up to a no good. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that could be two points there, I think. Maybe. <laughs> Unsponsored. <laughs> <laughs> if it catches do you know i don't think two points would catch you up with uh with johnny no, no, that's, that's <laughs> <gone. laughs> but yeah that was the yeah, really nice shirt, that one, actually. yeah it's a decent one that I, I i thought the paddy power ones were really good to be fair um the uh that season uh right so next is simon radiant b i thought that might trick someone but it didn't but there we go. Next is Pozza. Um, well, you've done a really good job on Microsoft Paint there, Matt Blaine doing that, just so you know. <laughs> um, that was um, Yorkshire Air Ambulance. Oops. That's right, Yorkshire Air Ambulance. And then... Sorry, my little boy just came and opened the door, then looked at me and walked off. <laughs> so... Um, Johnny, you're next. Casino Red. 
straight away. Look, casinored.com. Shall we dock him a point for saying for oh, I'll say dot com if you want? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's right. And then the last one is uh, is Brady. I, I don't think I've ever seen this kit. I've done a splendid <laughs> job there with the with the paint. I remember that one. What what year is this, Matt? Uh, this is late eighties. Is this? Oh, Probably before you were born, really. That's Greenles. I don't know. There you go. Well done. Hey. Yeah, well done. Well done. Well done. There we go. So uh, after round four, going to the last one, uh, Johnny's got four out of four. Uh, Pause, you've got three. Uh, Brady's got two. Luke's got two. And Simon's got two. So you're all not doing too badly. Um, we'll stop sharing and we'll move into one of the latter rounds. Right. Okay. So this is a more retail chat now. So um, this is our last section, guys. So I think a good a good way to open this, so that in terms of retail, do you find a lot of resistance or maybe that's not the right word, but in terms of the, the pricing point, how do you guys work out the pricing point for the shirts, for the training gear, et cetera, uh, and even sort of down to the T-shirts that you guys get in, in you know, just the one with Terriers on, et cetera. Um, how do you guys work out that pricing point? And do you ever, and obviously, you, you know, we're, we're from Yorkshire, aren't we? So you're obviously going to get some resistance to that at some point. But just how does that work out? Uh, how do you guys work it out? Yeah, I mean, so from a pricing point of view, we have uh, a margin that we always try and adhere to. Uh, and the the rationale behind that is we have obviously the 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 outgoing costs of running the shop. We have the the purchase of the goods, so the cost of goods, and then at the same time, we'll always have a look at what sort of the the industry is doing. Uh, so. You know, we're, so we're forty-eight pounds for a replica shirt uh, for an adult one, which you know, I'd, they would be from when we were doing our pricing. We were having a look. There's usually only maybe one or two that were on par, or even just maybe slightly cheaper. So yeah, from a pricing point of view, I mean, uh, I, I know we were talking earlier, Matt, and, and you look at like the England shirt and thing now, and it, it's like. 70 quid and then there's the stadium version and then there's the pro version so yeah i mean we, we don't overcomplicate it we look at what the industry is uh we monitor pricing for comparable uh, and really go from there you know we, we don't we don't know how price anything we we want to get ideally the margin but it's got to be right as well at the same time there's no point in going for the margin if it's not worth it at that point just on that luke what um what sort of percentage of, if you can say, um, do we take as a from each shirt sale? Um, recently, ask is I were reading um, some on Twitter. Liverpool had put something out about the cost of the shirt. A load of uh, replies from fans saying it's you know it's a disgrace and uh, you know it's far too much. And, and somebody put a quite a detailed reply to it, and which I thought was interesting. And it were it was saying that out of a uh, a sixty-pound shirt at Liverpool, um, they only get about twenty percent of that, and that's one of the one of the highest. Uh, usually, it's between seven and ten. Um, obviously, without going into exact figures, if you can't, just just sort of valuation to fans because I've been one in the past myself of you know forty quid for a shirt. That's forty quid to Huddersfield Town, and in reality, that's probably not the case, is it? Yeah, no, it, it, it's not the case, and and you're quite right, Danny. It, it'd be unfair. It'd be unri- Well, it wouldn't be right of me to go into the exacts, but 
So I suppose the very beginning of this conversation is the shirt price or the cost of a good is all intertwined with uh, the kit deal that you do with uh, your supplier, basically. So you can, and I'll be brutally honest, the way a kit deal tends to work is a, uh, it's almost like a seesaw. You can have X amount of sponsorship fee, gift of kit, which is basically free of charge kit for the first team. But then the more you have on this side, the higher your shirt price. So what we try and tend to do for a club point of view is find a balance where uh, Pro have or Brookie has X amount uh, to spend. And then that means that we have a shirt price. And you're quite right. So in the shirt price, we have to consider the actual cost of good. There's then the uh, application of sponsor. So if we have to do that in the UK, that all has to be charged by the club. Uh, and then... Obviously, you've got your tax and everything on top of that, that that is what it is. And only then uh, do you start talking about, well, now you've got to pay uh, the staff to sell it. You've got to pay your e-commerce platform for selling it on. You've got to pay uh, your outgoings on your shop, your system to sell it in the shop. So there's quite a lot that at the end of the day, the bottom line is considered. But yeah, you've got quite a lot of outgoings when it comes to your shirt, not just the cost of it as well. Things that I was going to um, ask earlier, but I'll just get a chance. Just when we were chatting about the brand, you know, sort of moving from Puma to Umbro, I'd imagine you, you worldwide bigger clubs, your Barcelona, as Man United, Real Madrid, somebody like Adidas will approach Liverpool and say, We want to make your kit, we will pay you X millions of pounds to enable us to do that. At somewhere like town, do Umbro come to town? Does town go to Umbro? Does, how does it, or any other manufacturer? How does that side of it work in regards to generating income? Do one day we'll pay you a million pounds to be your brand? Or do we just feel time and go to Umbro and say, we'll sell X amount of shirts with Umbro on it and give you a percentage of sales? Or a bit yeah, of both, maybe. Yeah, it, really, it's about what the club feel is the right deal for us. Uh, and then at that point, we would structure the kit deal for what's right. Uh, so... We we tend to not go for the huge sponsorship fee so that we know that uh, first team are going to be kitted out right and they're going to have what they need whilst also balancing the shirt price. So we sort of go for the, the boring middle ground, if I'm honest. Uh, yeah. In terms of approach, us to approach them, the reality of, of it is, at the end of the day, there is the business. It's the business of kits. So... Uh, Umbro will make money off Huddersfield Town. That that that's why they're in business. The same as if Adidas was with Huddersfield Town, Puma, and everyone else. Sometimes we would proactively approach them, and then they would come and almost do a bit of a beauty parade as to well, this is what we can offer. Yeah, yeah. Y and Z. Uh, on other occasions, it tends to be an industry known as to when we will end that contract with that supplier because obviously we release it to the fans nine times out of 10. So the, yeah. there's a roster of who's in place to, to change and move and everything else like that. So uh, yeah, that, that, that's kind of how the whole process sort of works. And then really it's it's for me, Jonathan, the board to do their due diligence on the company to make sure that that's right for Huddersfield Town uh, and meets the expectation of fan base really. Yeah, it's just interesting because, uh, you know, you never, uh, scale clubs, 
you know, without being disrespectful to the time, we've got a ceiling of how many we'll ever sell. And it's just interesting to know a club of our level, who's the driving, is it us or... But it sounds like it's very much a, we'll work together and get a deal with both parties kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, thanks, Buzz. Uh We'll go to uh, one of our Twitter questions, and it was from Cameron Fry, and he asks, what are the... So this goes back to the England shirt, really, Luke. Um, what are the exact differences between an actual team shirt and the replica shirt that you buy in the shop? Absolutely nothing. To the point where, uh, genuine story, whenever there's a blood shirt uh, needed, that obviously that's just an unbranded Huddersfield Town shirt, uh, if Brooke finds it easier to just run into the back of the shop and grab one off the hook... <laughs> It happens. I promise you now. That has happened many a times. I'm trying to remember which play it was. I think uh, when Hudson played for us, that that was a case of right. I need to do that. And then at halftime, then if there isn't a third shirt, because I mean they obviously all swap at halftime nowadays on ninety percent of them, for example. Uh, it will usually ask us to print one at half time and then we drop it off. So, yeah, the replica shirt that you buy, uh, to be fair, there's probably no need to call them replicas, but the shirt that you buy off the peg in the shop is the same as the players are wearing. We, we don't have a, a performance one or a non-performance one or anything like that. Uh, ironically, when it comes to tight fit, players will usually prefer the skin and then top over the top rather than just like a tight top because that almost sometimes stops you or restricts you from wearing the skin. So, uh, yeah, no difference whatsoever. That's good to know. So it's not like the English shirt at all where you pay about 150 quid for one and then 75 for the other or something daft, isn't it? No, um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and you regret, you almost regret eating your dinner, don't you, if you're wearing one of them shirts? <laughs> <laughs> not for me. <laughs> uh, a white one as well. Um, the other, the other amazing thing that... though, just quickly on that, Luke, it's amazing. I've got a couple of match ones and like a couple up on his, uh, on his wall. Into crowd, or we've been lucky enough to, you know, to get hold of him. And you look at players on the pitch, and I've got one from Zanka, and I, you know, you look at him and think, you know, big fella, you know, big centre half and stuff, and he, he wears like a medium man shirt, and you, you look at him thinking, you've got to be like an XL at least. And you know, I, I put it on, and I'm thinking, what the hell? You know, I thought I thought I were doing all that here, and then you put it on, and it's skin tight. So it's amazing, like you say, about the, the style that different players will want. Some will want them baggy, some will want them tight. And I suppose it just goes down to personal preference there, doesn't it? Yeah, the, I tell you, the hardest players to get right are the ones that are sort of like really top heavy, but then tall. So uh, Colin, Colin were really difficult to get a shirt right for him because he was incredibly thin, but quite built at the top and he were really tall as well. So I, I think Colin used to take uh, an XL on one of the shirts, but it used to look really baggy as well. Uh, so, and then there are players as well, in fairness, that get a little bit, uh, what should we say, needy with a fit. So, like, I, I, I won't mention him because I'd genuinely be scared of him. But there's one player <laughs> in the squad at the minute that really likes, like, the tight arms sort of thing and likes to look the part, as it were. So I like Richard. <laughs> guys, guess who that is? I'm not saying no. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, like they, they like the tight fitting around the arms and the taper and stuff. So, yeah, it's one of them. But you're quite right, Dan. Some of these guys wear medium. And, you know, for me, it's a pipe dream. I, I just... <laughs> <fairly>. <laughs> And we all know that 
reasonably just, well. Just following on from that, sorry, Max, I'm, I'm really going off course here, but it's probably a non uh, subject that probably no one else really cares about. So, you know, quickly, quickly as he can. But I've noticed what, what's the thing with the socks these days where players just cut the bottom off the socks off and wear like a, a random pair of socks. I know Liverpool actually designed their socks with the white halfway up to get around the rule of you're not really allowed to do that. Is, is that some of their noise? The club that players are hacking uh, into shirts and cutting bottoms off socks? And... No, so, uh, and I, I don't know if this is uh, obvious or I, I might actually, this might be a market next year, for example. So, Brookie actually orders two-thirds footless and one-third foot socks now. So it's literally just like a tube song that off at the foot. And the reason is players nowadays, uh, I, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's a new thing, maybe last sort of three, four years, they all have these grip socks that I'm sure, uh, you know, kids at some point will be saying, that's what I want. Uh, but where it's like, you know, like almost like rubber bits on the bottom so it doesn't move in the foot. But you never will get a replica sock with those on the bottom. So what it tends mm. is that you'll put your sort of a, a pro grip sock or whatever the, the company's called that they, you tend to use, as it were. For this, we'll say Umbro's Protect Sock. Uh, and then you pull that off, which would match the colour, and then your footless sock goes over, and then it tends to be an ankle tape sort of situation. And it's just purely for those rubber bits on the bottom. So there is, there's a bit of friction in the boot. That that tends to be why. But, yeah, Brookie on... Mm. Uh, two-thirds footless now and a third with the actual foot on. I have no idea why players start cutting the back of it. That became a thing, didn't it? A couple mm. We're cutting, like, holes on the calf area. Not a clue on that one, but that's why the socks don't have the foot in. It's for those grip things, as it were. Yeah. yeah just broke the big guy in here. Well. Sorry, go on, Johnny. It's, it's the feel of the foot. So a thick football sock, as we all remember from, from school, is like well, thick, whereas the, the thinner socks give them more feel on the ball. So they've got more contact so they can do, feel more precision with it, basically. So Boots are tight as well now, aren't they? They're kind of really yeah. light and tight, whereas when I used to play, the, me and Simon, when we used to be goalkeepers, used to get the big, heavy, you know, concrete boots, didn't you? Where so you could kick the ball a mile, so, you know, with long studs in and what have you. But, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good question, that pause, for sure. Um, they even have, uh, they even have, sorry, Matt, I jumped in that bit. I'm sorry. They even have like uh, the boot oven. I don't know if you've seen that, Johnny, but yeah, like yeah. when boots yeah. in it, stretch them a little bit. And then all of a sudden you get like that little bit of wiggle room for your foot to just basically squeeze in. It's, it, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it nowadays. We used to sit in the bath with them, didn't we, Pause? Do you remember when they used to get new boots? And they, yeah, they yeah, used you used to sit get, in the bath with them. Leather boots and- yeah, get a bollocking off your mum for ruining bath. With your <laughs> yeah, all stud backs <laughs> on the bottom end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good time. Stuff we never knew. I remember doing all that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Luke, one one thing that came up as well was uh, the uh, battle between uh, fans uh, liking embroidered logos and uh, the iron-on stuff. Um, what's the decision maker that I presume the embroidered stuff's more expensive and eats into the overheads? I would guess. Well. We so we don't tend to feel that because we say as a club we want embroidered. Obviously, second year of Premier League, we 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 tried the uh like the, the rubberized logo, it didn't work. Uh so we've always gone embroidered kits, and then at that point after that, 
Training wear is almost always now a vinyl, just from a performance point of view, and there's no rub or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, certainly our mantra is that the Huddersfield Town Crest is embroidered. That that's what uh, that's what I, I'm, I'm pretty certain insane fans prefer, uh, and and that's what we'll maintain. Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of fans as well, there's um, I uh, you know when you go on Instagram these days, you usually get all sorts of random adverts come up, don't you? And there's other stuff like I'm not going to throw their names in because people will Google it, but you get other football uh, related. Um, Retail retailers loosely, I'll, I'll use that loosely because it's usually just a, a chap with a an order, isn't it? Somewhere, but there are a lot of stuff that come up, you know, with uh town shirts with different, you know, so there's one with a black terrier that you can get, I think, online somewhere. Um, all sorts of other stuff. Um, how does this, you know, do you ever sort of look at these and think, yeah, they're okay, maybe you know, out of football, or, you know, throw one in because you know, they're not too bad with you know what they do. Um okay. Do you ever sort of, I think you've partnered with them before, haven't you, and other, other clubs. Do you ever sort of look at them and think we could partner with them or is, is there a bit more to it than just sort of saying, oh, yeah, we like those. Well, why do you want to sell this in the club shop? Yeah, well, we always try and keep an eye on uh, things that are relevant for fans like, because at the end of the day, uh, fans are the people that we're trying to appease in what me and Jonathan do. Uh, a really good example was obviously the Peter O'Toole legend stuff that we've just come on or, or that we've just uh, released. Peter's a known artist among town fans, does really, really good stuff. Uh, you know, certainly in my opinion, seems to get a really good reaction. Uh, and we said to Peter, look, we can use companies that produce leisure wear, produce, uh, you know, merchandise, but sometimes the difficulty is having a non-town fan design something for town fans. So that's why we look to Peter to do, uh, so like we say, the Legends range, where you've got like the team of Andy Boobs, which is obviously the famous cheer sort of thing. The the Legends of Leeds Road, which, you know, you know it's all relative uh, or, or all, uh, it, well, it works for town fans, it works for us. Uh, and obviously it gets Peter out there a bit as well, but... When it comes to like the art of football and things, we, we just tend to look at the trends. If people like that, great. If 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 people are saying comments on, could we? So uh, yeah. So go, going back to it then, when it comes to uh, like the art of football and things, what we will try and do is just have a look, see what town fans think. If people are genuinely thinking, uh, or if we look at comments and we see positive things, we'll try and take what's positive and see if we can do his own spin, see if companies want to work with us uh, and, and go from there, really, because it, it just gives those genuine constructive criticism on merchandise and how we can develop it a little bit. Okay, that's that's a good one. Uh, Simon, you wanted to ask a, a question, didn't you, about the uh, the retail side? Yeah, forgive me, um, but um, I was interested from your point of view, where you see things moving, like in the next five years, what's kind of the ambitions for yourself, Luke, and, and, and Jonathan, kind of what's what's kind of on your agenda over the kind of the next uh, coming few seasons? So, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the range now. So what what we're, what we're always trying to do is, uh, as Jonathan just moves it further away so we can <laughs> see each other. So what, what we're trying to do is... We know that from a football club, design obviously plays uh, a key importance, but obviously it's uh, actual quality of merchandise as well. So for this autumn, winter, with leisure wear, 
we've actually done a, a full consignment range in, in almost partnership with Top 24 because we know those guys produce really good stuff. We know it, the brand is strong. We know that their, uh, their QC checks are uh, really, really sort of due diligent on their factories and things. So what you'll see us doing is, is partnering with companies that we know produce good product. There's obviously town fans over at Tog24 uh, that work in and amongst. So what we want to do is develop merchandise which really covers all, which is like your quality, your design, your price point, hitting it all right. And then hopefully at that point, continue to develop. We've, we've also brought in uh, a few licenses which allow fans to go and get personalized merchandise, which, uh, you know, you can put your name on it. You can sort of make it your own kind of thing. Car mats, things like that. So, uh, yeah, just, just really continuing to develop, Simon. That sounds good. And one one thing that's often talked about amongst town fans, and it kind of links into the article that's been released today around the development of the kind of stadium megastore. Um, how do you see that evolving? Do you kind of see um, more temporary buildings, fewer temporary buildings, another permanent site? What what do you think that looks like in five years' time? So, uh, if you'd have asked me two years ago, uh, it, it would have been a different answer because for the simple reason that I would have said that uh, our shop. Uh, isn't big enough. The irony of where retail sees itself now, and you know, it's not just exclusive to Huddersfield Town, I'm sure you gentlemen will see it on the high street, is for a year and a half, we've almost all been uh, used to shopping online, which from an e-commerce point of view, obviously we have uh, shop.hgfc.com. So we've already got that sort of set up and, and, and that works for the best part. Uh, but so from a shop point of view, it's probably refurb. Then let's see. Obviously, we've got a little extension to what we have because uh, the Giants are going to be no longer in the store. So we've got all that side to it as well. Uh, we've had new LEDs put in the roof. So that's going to make it a bit brighter in there, which was always maybe a little bit dark because obviously it's over the it's in the overhang of the stadium. Uh, and then at that point of view, we will look at what the game days look like. Is it a nuisance? almost to shop on a game day. How can we make that easier? Uh, how can we make click and collect more uh, open on a game day where if you don't want to queue, uh, you come, you've already done your shopping, you want to grab and go, and then you're not waiting half an hour. You're not worried about getting back to your car and all that kind of thing. So there's certainly development areas, but I think we will learn as we go along. And the main thing for us is that when we learn, we actually do something and we try different methods and what works for us and what doesn't. Uh, you know, I mean, the overall is we use the e-commerce so that people have done the shopping and then we make it easy to them, whether that be bring it to you or not. These are just all things that we need to explore, really. Yeah, it's interesting. I, kind of, um, I live quite close to the, to the White Road Shopping Centre and, and that's getting increasingly empty by the day. And, and you're right to say definitely that the retail landscape's changing and, and has changed quite significantly. So what, what the world looks like now and what it's going to look like in, I say, five years, but probably in 18 months, two years, I think will be, be quite different. It's good to be in a position where the club can be quite flexible around that, I think. Agreed. 
Right, anybody got anything else before we uh, go into the final round of the quiz and, uh, and and wrap it all up and crown Jonathan as the champion, I think, because it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just a quick one, lads, um, because I, I realise we've been grilling you like pretty much all, all evening, so uh, I appreciate that. But um, I suppose in terms of ideas for stuff, because, um, uh, Luke, I, when I spoke to Proud Terriers, um, they talked about how you were you know, very willing and very helpful with stuff. Um, I think they talked particularly about like a mug you brought in and how that sold out, a Proud Terriers mug. Is that something the, the club uh, is more interested in doing going forward if people have ideas? I'm not so in opening it, so you get an, an idea from every Tom, Dick and Harry, but is that something the club's looking to do more going forward, kind of listen to new ideas, suggest stuff in the shop? Yeah, I, of course. And it all goes back to that conversation of uh, whilst... 100% our department will please everybody. Uh, you know, we get that. But if you get comments like that, that all of a sudden, you know, that like with the, the uh, so like the Proud Terriers work with like the Pride mug and things, people reacted positively when we started talking about that. So if that's what the fans want at that point, then we will try and appease that as much as we can. We can't say, uh, you know, it's a really random one, this, but... Every now and then you'll get the odd conversation of, well, when's the next gnome going to come up? Because <laughs> gnomes prove extremely popular at Huddersfield Town. Honestly, the amount we've sold for Father's Day is staggering. But we also have to be realistic by saying uh, mugs, yeah, sorry, mugs we can order X amount of, gnomes we have to order quite a lot, like huge amounts of it. So we would never do a specific mug if only sort of like five people are asking, sorry, a specific gnome, if only five people are asking, it wouldn't be feasible and we'd probably be left with X amount of gnomes like making a mad gnome wall. So <laughs> we've got to be realistic, but we really like the ideas that come up. Uh, and like I say, anything that we can work together with fans, that's who ultimately we want to appease, uh, you know, certainly with Jonathan with inside of it because and at the same time we're town fans ourselves so so we we can have a look we know who's out there we know what the, we know we try and look at what people are saying and you know if we can get on there from a retail point of view and and yes of course make money for the football club then that's absolutely what we'd do it's got to be right for the club and we'd never we you know our, our doors are open to to listen to any ideas and uh you know that's a good for instance is the the proud terriers but on the same same hand, we have to have a sense of realism in there that what one person might want, but a minimum order quantity is 100. If we start with 99, the logistics of it are that, that that loses the club money. So we have to be mindful of that all the time. So it's it, it's a balance, really. It's making sure that we, we listen to people and, and take on the good ideas. And then if things can't work, then, you know, we've got, we've got to be, uh, we've got to have our business hats on with it, really. One thing I, I really liked, I went to um, the FC Barcelona shop. I know that's a completely different stratosphere, isn't it, over there? Um, and this was the first time I went, so this was five or six years ago. And what they did at that point, I think Nike was the um, manufacturer of the kit. So what they had is they had absolutely loads of Nike shirts in there, just random ones, golf ones, and all sorts. And then you could take it to the, um, the kiosk or the till, if you like, and they actually had several different badges that they'd used over the past um, so like for town, for example, the Barry Rubri one, you know, the HTFC and stuff. And, and what they were doing is they would pick their favorite badge and, and just, and they would just press it on, uh, along with, you know, name and stuff. And I was, I always thought that was quite a simple yet 
quite effective one, you know, whereby you could have your favorite badge logo or whatnot. You could have a red terrier like Poz has got and, and all that stuff. And I always thought that was quite cool. Obviously, yeah. you can't do that on shirts, can you, because of the uh, sponsorship and the manufacturers and stuff. But I always thought that was pretty, pretty cool. cool. Just to throw quite something cool random here. in. Yeah, fair shout, Matt. Fair shout. We've, we've, we've got the equipment to do it. So fair shout, Matt, Matt. Yeah. I'll leave that with you. <laughs> so, and we'll move on to, uh, yeah. Just on 5% of our sales. <laughs> yeah, and it's recorded as this, so I've got proof as well. <laughs> uh, right, so we're going on to the last round, which... Um... Is the garden no round? How many gnomes? How many gnomes are we talking here? Because I'm, I'm staggered by that. I can't get quite get my head around that. We we have to order uh, every time. It's like a thousand gnomes split over X, like three designs. But literally, we the the state the the terrier store the week before Father's Day. It's like it, it's sort of like almost your typical person to buy it as well. It's all the same. It, it's like the mother and children or whatever it be coming in and going right. What do I get? What do I get? And they're always walking out with a gnome. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I tell you, one day we'll have to drive around Bloodysfield and see how many we can find. <laughs> you could have like a, a map, couldn't you as well? Create a map. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So uh, first up this time is Simon. So this will give you three out of five, Simon, and uh, obviously redeem your uh, efforts from last time in the uh, the end of season quiz. Uh, this This last round is guess the player. So what I've done is I've put a slightly random player in a, a shirt um in fact i've just stolen pictures from the internet is pretty much what i've done so uh, and, and what you've got to do is just guess which player this is uh, so simon you are up first and your first player rolls back to that casino red.com centenary shirt who is this fine gentleman marvin tomorrow that's correct. So Simon, you oh, ended up with three. So decent effort that. So yep. So that was uh, Malvin Kamara. Uh, next is Pause. Tony Cars? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Steve, is Steve Yates? It is Steve yes. Yates. So Pause, you've got ended up with. Uh, Four out of five. So as far as we're concerned, you're the quiz master general of, of Andy Tucker's <laughs> this time. So well done. Uh, so yeah, my, my strengthizing kit's not yeah, so again. <laughs> let's see who's next. Is the next one difficult enough to catch Mr. Wilkinson out? I don't think it is. But there we go. Oh, God. Dare I say his name? <laughs> uh, George Donitz. There you go. George Donis uh, wins Mr. Wilkinson the quiz. I don't know why. I don't, I that's Wilkinson a swear word, isn't it? It's a rare <laughs> shot of him running. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the last one, Brady, to get three as well, is this one. Uh, I know who it is. It's, it's Luke Finn. Um, it's what? Don't know. Uh, no, no, sorry. It's Luke Finn on the quiz. It's, it's Ivan Porovich, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I've put you next, yeah. Is Ivan Porovich and the last person uh, to go on the quiz is Luke, oh. and your man is that one. It's probably the most difficult one. Oh, on loan from oh, is it Hughes? M M M M Ray M A Hughes. I'll give you that. M A Hughes. Yeah, uh, on loan from. 
Was it Man City or Birmingham or something at the time? Was it, it? Ipswich, wasn't it? Or did he go to Ipswich? He started at Man City, didn't he? And maybe someone bought him, I think. And um, and then he came from there, but he was a yeah. Man City kid, wasn't he? But there we go. That's that's it for uh, this episode of Andy Takes That Chance. Jonathan Wilkinson came, saw, conquered the quiz. Um, I want to say a big thank you to uh, to you two guys for coming on here and uh, and spending a good two hours with us talking about all sorts there. It's um, it's really appreciated from us. So thank you very much. And I'm sure people who listen will, will enjoy the input as well. And and there's uh, there's obviously a lot of little pearls in there that you've dropped in that I think a lot of people like me w- you know weren't aware of. So um, thank you very much, guys, for doing that. And uh, before we go, have we got any any final things that anybody wants to raise? Season cards, deadline th- June. <laughs> <laughs> I better buy mine. <laughs> right, guys, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much, both of you. I really appreciate it. Good to talk You're to you. Welcome. Oh, what a night. Late in May in 2017. Shinder scored. It was a heavy dream. What a feeling, what a night Oh, what a night Wagner singing, we are Premier League The greatest sight in George's Square to see What an evening, what a night Got a funny feeling when he walks and offends and then the commentator yelled he takes that chance Oh what a night Lost so safe in mesmerizing me Low low charge and flattened all Chelsea Stanford Bridge, oh what a night Oh I, I got a funny feeling when he walked And fence and then The commentator yelled he takes our chance Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via muck delivery afterwards. Three points, muck nugget share box, spot on. Order muck delivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.